0: Take my horse to the old town road I'm gonna ride
1: till I can't no more I'm gonna take Welcome to Wherever You Are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 238 of The Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. That is a wrap. On 2019, everybody, it was a year where we got our first-ever look at a black hole, a year where Notre Dame burned, a year where Hong Kong protested en masse, and a year where Canada's team shocked the world, ended a dynasty, and won their first-ever NBA championships th- thanks to one incredibly fun guy. It was a year we said goodbye to Peter Fonda, Toni Morrison, Nipsey Hussle, and Agnes Varda. At the movies, though, 2019 was a fascinating year for film, a year where many bemoaned the state of cinema and how it is falling prey to remakes, franchises, and largely becoming the personal sandbox of one particular studio. 2019, though, did deliver some fabulous films with some incredible artists. By the time the dust settled, our pain came with glory, our astro was added, our gems were uncut, and our houses were lit. We need to tie a bow on it, though, people. And if you're new to this show, you know that I cannot tie off a year in cinema alone. I called out Avengers Assemble, and these are the three heroes that appeared on my left. The beginning across from me, the voice I love editing the most, the guest who is always up for talking about... Some truly <laughs> awful films. The person who keeps me in line, Patula Neal is here. How are you, Patula Neal? I was a little concerned where that black hole thing was going, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> glad you turned. I'm out. trying. I really, you know, every day I, I try to do better. Yeah. So oh, welcome.
2: I'm, I'm gonna apologize for my rude because as soon as she started talking and I was like, oh yeah,
1: there it is. I just love her voice. <laughs> on my left <laughs> on my left she is the katie to my taylor the thanos to my carol the chunky to my smooth ariel fisher is here how are Whoa. you ariel
3: fisher thanos, the heck is I, this? you know what
1: i gotta let it go because we haven't argued on mike as much lately We like, actually have i gotta go back like read. two or three years so it's a, i think it's partially due to my <laughs> picks or something um it, it's been a while so um I, hi hi
3: i am great i am thrilled to be here as per usual excellent company oh. to tell you collectively
1: your you're interaction. exactly yes. finally dear listener this podcast's most frequent guest over the 10 years i've been doing this the person who sees the most amount of films with me the person who fills me with inspiration determination dedication consideration and overstimulation lindsay regoni is here how are you
0: hi
2: <laughs> L- <little sweet. laughs> and do i see the most films with you
1: by a country mile.
2: Oh, I feel like we, I don't have There are feel- films
1: I never would have seen if not for you. Like? You can just decide to yourself if that is a compliment or uh, a dig.
2: I, I know which one that is.
1: We are being silently audited by uh, Dante the Valhoun, who you may every now and then hear panting, as now, or barking, which we hope does not happen. So we'll see how this goes. for yourself Indeed, yeah, exactly. A quick note on the presentation of the show. By now, you've probably noticed the music that is playing underneath this conversation. You're hearing tracks from some of my favorite artists of the year. You've got some National, some Lizzo, some Tyler the Creator, some Sharon Von Etten, and so forth. Um, you'd love Sharon von Etten, apparently. Um, this year I've in- I've embedded a Spotify playlist with all the tracks in the show notes, so if you want some musical goodies, go check that out. Conversely, If you find the music distracting for any rhyme or reason, go to the podcast feed and you'll find an alternate version of this episode that is music free. Uh, For the format, if you're new here, we go in rounds. We will talk about our fives, our fours, our threes, and so on, uh, and build up to the top dogs. If a film is repeated, and a few of them are obviously, we'll speak at length at its highest position. On with the show, Batula Neal. Get us going and tell us about the last black man in San Francisco. So there's a lot of these that that you three picked that just missed my cut, so I'm really really happy that I get an excuse to talk about them. Um, and last black man in San Francisco is it's sitting at like a six or a seven, but yeah, that it's an extraordinary film. But uh, please.
4: So I called this one early in that in May of I believe 2015. I donated to the Kickstarter for this. Ah. Yeah, and it was it was a beautiful treatment. And I mean, it ended up being much different. And it was one of those Kickstarters where clearly they got studio involvement earlier in than most kind of Kickstarter movies, because they even did the whole train a Kickstarter pitch private and like thanking you early. And apparently the deadline for me to get my rewards, which included a digital download of the movie would have been 2016, 17 oh, by wow. the original target <laughs> schedule. So it went a little long, but worked out great. Uh, but a lot of the things that people love about the finished project is Like they were there from the very beginning The sort of Elegy is that a word? That's the word. That is the word. That is a word and the word for this movie like the This movie feels like You're watching the camera operator who films the spikely gliding stuff mm. So instead of seeing the gliding you're seeing the person on whatever sort of contraption they're doing to create that effect.
1: Tell people what this movie is about because I do feel like this movie was tragically underseen this year.
4: Yeah. I think that really only Joe Talbot and Jimmy Fails can tell you what this movie is about. <laughs> I will
1: say
4: uh, there's a overarching theme of, I would call it colonization. Sure. I guess the kids call it gentrification. Yeah. But basically, when you have a bunch of people who have uh, more tannin than a picked bag living somewhere desirable other people come in with a little less in the way of uh, melanin enhancement and uh dispose them and disabuse them of the notion that they should live somewhere so nice indeed and then they are pushed out to the outer regions of places that may or may not require people in pentium suits to uh decontaminate the local drinking water mm. so it starts off with this scene that I honestly think, did I get a, go in the wrong movie? Is this like a space kind of adventure thing? You see this gentleman in the sort of beekeeper Pentium thing and a small child, who is completely exposed skin-wise, just like out in the streets, and you're getting a very sort of Ruby Bridges meets Ad Astra kind of energy. And from there, you really spend most of your movie with uh, the two So. While a lot of people love What's Upon Time in Hollywood, this was my like romance movie of the year. So you have uh, Jimmy and Montgomery a man who I believe is wearing a lady's coat. I'm pretty and, sure he is. Because the buttons are on another, the other side and the sleeves <laughs> are a little short. And it took me about 20 minutes as a former retail employee to be like, that's how
1: I know that's a lady's coat. I know you have not seen this movie. Did you see this Actually, film Actually, I, I
4: remember the conversation
2: we had about this movie.
1: Well, which was? I
2: was super burnt out from work and you asked, you were going to go see it. Yeah. you said, you want to go see this movie? And I said, I can't handle, I'm so burnt out, I cannot handle any kind of sad, like, if there's a moment I can't, you're like, no, 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 you, I, you'll like it. I said, no, 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 Ryan, judging by the title, are you telling me this is going to be a slap happy good time? And you're <laughs> like, no, nice. this is like, you're like, no, no, no it's like and not like that. Affirmation. I
4: feel like we're seeing some behind the curtain conversation. Yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I love could, that, that. I can tell from like the title. I was like,
2: I can't handle. I just can't handle any, any like anything heavy. I was, like it's not that heavy. I was like, I feel like it's gonna be heavy, and I'm not gonna
4: it was, trust it. It was deep. It wasn't heavy, right?
1: You, she was like, read that title again to yourself, and you tell yeah. me.
4: It was so beautiful, even like the heavy moments, because there, you know, there's you know some daddy issue stuff, like the whole dispossessed people theme, the sort of fantasy of what you remember your life as versus what actually happened when you were a child. Yeah. Very similar to Shazam in some ways mm-hmm. in that kids remembered the good stuff. Right. Yeah. Kids remember the fairy tales more than they remember. Is
3: that what Shazam was about? Have I
1: forgotten?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that was a big uh,
1: Miss yeah. Fisher, did you see this film?
3: I started watching this film recently. I wanted to see it on its original release. It was mostly because of the way you, Ryan, spoke about it, actually. Um, But I just never got around to it for one reason or another, because life. And I started watching it recently with like some four-year consideration screeners and I think that I was just blown on the day that I started it. And I started, and then I was, I gotta, I gotta turn this off. Like it was a little too, at the moment, I needed something that wasn't quite as cerebral.
0: Yeah, mm. and yeah, it's and, it and starts, I
3: didn't get back to it, which I hate because you brought it up, and I'm like, oh, crap, that was one of the yeah. ones that I forgot. And It's, it's got, like got a,
4: a very chill energy, so I yeah. get it. If you aren't, you need to be in kind of in the pocket for it. Like I also oh,
3: turned off Two Popes that day, so it was kind oh of similar idea of like I got a knot with this. <laughs> I, well,
4: that was like my favorite movie that only had two old white men in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I got like That's five, five minutes in. It's <laughs> like they I teased out to sell the
4: movie.
1: I, uh, we, you know, when I was looking down the list of the movies I selected, one of the things I had uh, that comes up a few times was the notion of class um, and also the theme of identity. And both of those things are all over this movie. Um, I adored the whole notion with this film of you can't hate it unless you love it. You know, because there there's a scene where he's on a bus and there's two white girls talking. Is one of them Thora Birch? Maybe. One of them was uh, well, uh, a... It was one that you now? It was somebody recognizable who just kind of comes out of nowhere. It is Thoroughburch. Um, but they're ragging on the city. They're ragging on the city of San Francisco and how shitty it is now mm-hmm. and how expensive it is now and how poorly it's run. And um, the, the hero of this film interrupts them and he's like, do you love it? And, he, and they're like, what are you talking about? They say, you, you're talking like you hate it, but you can't hate it unless you love it. And it's one of those things I, I feel that about this city all the time. Like yeah. there huh. are so many things yeah. wrong with the city I live in, but you can't rag on it unless you love it. And it's and I and I did love that about the Last Black Man in San Francisco. I, and I We have a
4: lot of the same stuff here. We do. It's, we, it's uh, almost impossible
1: to live in the yeah. 6 now. Yep. You get a lot of those ideas in this film, but you also get the notion of your own family's legacy. Like he's fighting to reclaim his childhood home. Mm-hmm. And it's this gorgeous gorgeous home in um in in the hate it's got like a witch hat roof oh on now it. i'm remembering yeah, yeah it's got an organ in it and, and they and
4: talked it. about like finding the house because i saw it at tiff when they had like the director there and how they were looking and looking and finally found the house last minute and it was just this is the perfect house and yeah the owner was very accommodating and but it had the exact energy that they wanted it felt like everything that people have lost that the city.
1: It's a visually splendid film in a year that had a lot of visually splendid films. It's, it, it's one of the most gorgeous I saw. Good yeah, start. Good um, Ariel Fisher, briefly, because we're going to talk about it again in a minute. Uh, what is it you dig so much about Knives Out, to put it at number five?
3: I think I've seen it three times now at this point. Wow. it is, It's so meticulously crafted. The characters are actually really engaging. Uh, the lead, whose name I'm forgetting, uh, Anna... Anna She is outstanding. A lot of people are going to write her off or just dismiss her performance as just yet another one, but... My god, they focus on her so tightly in some scenes, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just what she's able to do with... The tap of shoe. Just, oh my god. Mm. And just like, just through her eyes. Oh yeah. yeah, just through her eyes. She's incredible. And it's hilarious. And it's biting, and it's, and yes, there are a lot of criticisms of this film that, well, it's so on the nose with its, you know, discussion, immigration, and it's like, yeah, so that's not actually the point of the film. <laughs> that is a subtext that is just pretty overt, but that that's just kind of there. The whole point of it is the mystery, and the mystery is captivating and Great. enthralling, and I... And it gets better with every single rewatch.
1: So says the woman who has seen it three times.
3: Precisely.
2: All
1: right. We will talk about <laughs> it again in just a moment, but for now, we are going to move on. Lindsay, you've got a film uh, that I can only describe as bananas that I have not even seen, but looks bananas. Uh, please tell people about Deerskin. Has
2: anyone else seen it? No. Oh, boy. This is
1: our Christmas gift to you, ladies. This is another
2: one. Where, sometimes I'm not sure if I should include a film that I saw on TIFF. I don't know if this is out like it says 2019 if I look it up but I don't know if it's a possibility that people can see it yet or if it's been released I'm not sure um I can never pr- pronounce the director's last name
1: Quentin Depew
2: who did Rubber oh um, yeah which I loved this is I'm gonna argue equally as weird oh I and like it's... Ba- no but you know, <laughs> so this movie stars uh, Jean Desjardins um, about a man who buys a deer skin coat And he loves his coat, and the guy who he buys this kind of vintage deerskin coat from, it's got like fringe on it, throws in an old video camera just for the hell of it. And this is actually the plot of the movie. He walks around, he gets great in this coat, he builds a relationship with this coat, he hears the coat speaking to him, and he decides that this should be the only coat in the world. No other coat in the world should exist, so he takes it upon himself to make that happen. Either by t- physically taking coats, because he has this now this little high eight camcorder or whatever I can't remember what kind it was, he starts saying, "Well, I'm a filmmaker. I'm making a movie," and he, that way he actually actually makes the movie. part of what you're seeing is the process of this movie that he made. He meets a, a girl, um, an actress who's in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, the Adele um, now who is the protagonist, I guess, in that movie. Like yes. the, and she happens to be an aspiring film editor, and then she starts editing his material, and it turns kind of bloody um, in his quest to make his coat the only coat in the world. So is he, like, killing folks? Kind of. Or the wearers? It gets... It literally... It escalates to a point... Throughout the movie, he acquires other deerskin things. He gets some pants, and he gets some boots, and he gets so. some gloves, and... <laughs> It, it is
4: so, it's
2: very hard to even describe. <laughs> yes,
4: <laughs> I'm sensing some strong master race energy. Yes, yes,
2: um, and not, a, <laughs> not, not unlike rubber, there are very long stretches of this movie where literally nothing happened. This movie has my favorite quality in a movie. There is nothing that I will love in a movie more than this one quality.
1: Talking coats,
2: a short ass runtime. Oh. I think it's like, oh it is like under yeah. 80 minutes i believe
1: 77 minutes 77 oh, minutes
2: sweet hell. spot for this movie it doesn't need to be a minute longer um <laughs> i know that sounds like a bad thing no. but it really there's a it's a lot of nothing it's a lot of ridiculous nothing until it escalates into insanity. just batshit insanity um and it's such a slow build that it it's you know just one of those wonderful moments where you're just like when the lights came up the whole audience was just like watch. So like
4: you right. like a slap having a good time that doesn't take too long?
2: Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mazel <Muzzle> right. <ride>. Yep.
4: <laughs> Hang on to this one.
1: <laughs> I,
0: got I know my do. audience. A bit, but, you know?
4: <laughs>
1: um... Are we done? Is there <laughs> any twirling?
4: I feel like if there's Fringe, there should be a twirl moment. I do Let's believe. See. I mean, there's there's a there's lot of. He's like of him. shaking. Yeah, okay. he he looks in the mirror like, like a shimmy, like a yeah. Tina Turner shimmy. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Okay. I remember for my fifth spot, I had like three movies that I was it could have yeah. easily taken my fifth spot in my top five. Yeah. yeah. And then I basically just decided like an hour ago, this is the one I'm going to talk about because nobody. People just need to kind of know about this movie, and it's unlikely that people will see, like, hear of it on their own.
1: My number five, Miss Fisher, you and I spoke about at length this summer on this very show. Oh! Uh, my number five is the new film by Olivia Wilde, Book Smart. Uh <laughs> oh and Katula <laughs> approved. That
2: actually, you know what, I'm going to say there's like four that could have been in my because that easily could have been my number 5 uh,
1: like uh, yeah, like there wherever we don't overlap, there's there's a lot where we're kind of we are all of very similar taste on this but yet still kind of touching a lot of bases. Um starring caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein, um movie about Two high school girls who get to the end of high school and kind of realize they might, they didn't exactly take a wrong turn, but they sort of missed a step. And they take this one, just Alice in Wonderland, curiouser and curiouser of a night to try to make up for a little bit of lost ground. And it's got a lot of stuff packed into um you know it's 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 one night of story time um it's got everything from their relationship with each other to their relationship with boys and their relationship with girls their relationship with their peers um it's gorgeous it's so damn funny it's really smart it's a great uh, debut by olivia wilde um ariel you look like you're chomping at the bit to jump in because i know you're a fan oh yeah i
3: am i honest i'm just sad i hadn't i'm sad i didn't get a chance to rewatch it within the last couple of months
0: mm. i just watched when... it a
3: couple of days ago because it's on i mean it's we, on prime I, now. it's on oh
0: prime. it is yeah. i just happened I was... to be
2: like i wasn't even looking to watch it i was just like you know killing some time on prime i was like look, smart cool that'll be it's if it's there a click of a button that'll just be something I'm gonna <laughs> probably have it on the background yeah. quite a bit
3: oh yeah and it's it's just so funny and i found it incredibly touching especially because it was really nice and i remember I remember this being a big thing at the time when we talked about it on the show. Uh, Like one of the leads is is an empowered Jewish woman whose Jewishness is purely incidental. And it's not made into like this religious thing. Yeah. Jewish woman
1: who's not a toothpick either. Yeah, that too. You know?
3: Yeah. It's just just a normal Jewish woman who is ambitious and is like super self-aware and in control. Right. And that was we're starting to see that a little bit more Mm -hmm. but it's Mm -hmm. nice to see that when it's not directly connected to um either a jewish stereotype or orthodoxy Mm -hmm. and she didn't have to be jewish like she didn't have to be like that
2: character could have been and without rewriting it it was she just happens to yeah which is
3: great in the jumpsuits and And the the jumpsuits jumpsuits. yeah
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: and that
3: scene with the dolls oh my god I <laughs> so much
1: i mean we have billy lord going through this thing like a greek chorus being her mom being her mom basically we have uh you know we have wonderful parents played by will forte and lisa Kudrow. uh we, we we have jessica williams making some bad choices late in life to make up for the bad choices she didn't make early in life um th- my
2: favorite thing about this movie was the social high school social dynamics it we don't get to see a lot in films. Even like high school seniors, even if it's like their graduating day, you have these movies where they'll be like, I'm gonna go talk to this girl. Like like I'll walk up to them and go, hi, I'm Lindsay. We've been in the same class together for four years, but for some reason you have to introduce themselves. This movie clearly has social circles, mm-hmm. but they know each other. These yeah. people, like it's not weird if you showed up at a party, they're not like, ooh, there's nerd is here. Yeah. It's, it's like a, in real life, if someone you'd be like, oh, cool. I didn't expect you, come on in. Like it, it's not as divisive as movies usually portray
1: high school high school it's yeah. also
3: such a more normal house party shy of the uh, the drama kids party but when a drama, <laughs> yeah.
1: like, like drama kids party yeah i know i feel like i've been to that drama kids i've
3: absolutely Same. been to that drama party Same.
1: mercifully i did not throw that drama kids party <laughs> no but um no I, I love that movie so much um i, I few movies this year filled me with such joy and such hope as BookSmart. Um and I'm really looking forward to more from everybody. Like I've already seen another amazing performance this year by Beanie Feldstein. I want to see more movies by Olivia Wilde. Alright. Well those are our fives. We're gonna take a quick break here. We'll come back with our fours right after this. So- Petula Neal, you're back up. Now it is time to speak at length about Knives Out. Oh. Ryan Johnson's uh, opus, perhaps, starring a cast of dozens Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, and As Christopher Pl- Elliott. And you. Christopher Plummer, and A Partridge in a Pear Tree.
4: And Captain Langford.
1: How did this movie uh, make it into your top five? Uh, I saw it too. And it was one of those movies that I picked, and then I was like, should
4: I pick something with this many famous people in it? But you know, it's the whole building a schedule, what fits in the holes. Uh, I got to go for like, you know, tone up and down through the day, because to your point, I want the occasional slap, happy good yes. times.
3: And
2: this is the <laughs> only movie I was shut Since out at.
4: it's for this episode. Yeah. That I
2: wanted it, <laughs> oh. and I, I didn't get the ticket for it. Yeah. So I had to yeah. wait quite a while.
4: And this one, I mean, I love Brad Johnson as well. So, like, I saw Brothers Blumetiff. Like, I, I've been down with him from the jump, like, the jump. So, <laughs> what happened was, I got in this movie, and then it was just a delightful experience. Like, the whole audience. So, you were at a press screening, I was at a public screening. I was at the second public screening. Okay. The whole audience just, like, lost their minds. Hmm. There was so much laughter. It's like, I did have to see it again. I think I've seen it three times total. because because, you know it was one of those things where everyone's laughing so much you know you're missing jokes yeah I mean I will also address the so-called controversy I think it's just people not getting jokes this is one of those like where's that gif of the point when you missed it yeah okay I
0: actually
2: don't know what the controversy
4: is uh, I've been off like the Anadarmis character well there's sort of two things there's the whole um, threatened to get her deported part but there's also like this bit where everybody in the family says she's from a different South American country. I thought country. that.
2: I loved that they all yeah. Was, yeah. Uh,
4: that, that shows how little they thought of yeah. her as a human being. Exactly. And was a hilarious running bit. Yes. Just like how everybody else gets described uh, as a in a slightly different way. There's a few characters that everyone agrees on. um Nazi grandson. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, also, so my two favorite words in the movie: "This is joylessly masturbating." Yes. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> I can think of some movies that that <laughs> describes actually <Yeah. laughs> from this year. Yeah.
4: Oh, same. Yeah. Yeah. So it it just it was a good time, but it was well crafted, good writing. Not like you know how with the performances. Every single one was amazing. Oh, yeah. There was no person you think, oh, oh, you were a little outclassed, or you kind of you outshot your reach other. Like no, because everyone was amazing. Also, question: Is this in my head or is this real? Did the picture? slightly change of Harvard. Oh, okay.
2: Because yes. they do seem to paint him as like the stern. Yes. And like you slowly yeah. throughout the movie you're like <laughs> this guy's <is>
3: great. I like when you've seen a whole run through of actually what happened that night and he's like Ooh, been, oh dun, 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 yeah. and like oh the good stuff oh yeah, yeah. 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 Like, really give me this. the good
1: drugs. I'm like he really give me the good drugs yeah.
3: And even that getting to watch Christopher Plummer cut loose and cut wise about like albeit potentially an insensitive topic, but morphine, like, <laughs> habitual druggies. Like, it was just...
1: Yeah. I must give this film, like, just mad amounts of tip of the cap for its sweater game. Oof. Its sweater game is just awful.
2: I love like. a man and a knit sweater. I'm oh, good because... I <laughs> love that.
3: Put
0: it's them like,
1: together. Right. Oh, put them together. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the other thing about Knives Out that is uh, rather... Old is that you get to the final act of this movie, and it takes that slap back bunch of merrymaker, badass brood of actors that you've assembled for this movie and largely puts them over to the side and just mm-hmm. focuses on the kind of a smaller core group of protagonists. That's pretty damn bold yeah. to, to take that kind of talent and say, All right, we're done with you for now. We'll come back around. To you make like you got We're Jamie gonna...
2: Lee Curtis just kind of chilling
1: out. Tony Collette chilling out. We, we, we Don involved. Johnson, yeah.
3: yeah. Michael Shannon
1: comes back in for a second, but him too, chilling out. It's,
3: it's and actually, it, I didn't know this until I think I was listening to it's something with Jamie Lee Curtis around the release of the film as some promotional, like with Vanity Fair or something, where mm-hmm. she was talking about how she got involved. And it was it was Michael Shannon's involvement that tipped the scale for her. She got the script, she read it, she loved it, and then they were and they said exactly who was attached. And pretty much at that point, almost everyone was attached, not rumored, right? Actually attached. And she heard Michael Shannon, and was like, oh yeah, no, absolutely, because she wanted she was desperate to act with him. Yeah. So she was just in awe of his ability, and then that's what that that's what got her involved in this.
1: It's kind of the brilliance of the casting director of this film is they brought together a lot of actors who. It's that kind of person who, like, oh, they're in this movie. I'm interested. Yeah. you know.
0: And also, go-
2: having so many high caliber people really makes you question the mystery of it all. Because if you, you know, you have like one famous person amongst some like middle B actors, you're going to be like, oh, we got to keep your eye out for this. These were all
3: well. It's you know, it's Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, it's that. But maybe except, a little, maybe better
2: done. <laughs> <Yeah,
1: laughs> a little more uh, very good choice, Petula Neal, Ariel Fisher, you're uh, back on the clock. What did Talk say? to us about Midsummer.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the only one who hasn't seen
3: it.
1: Yes, you are. Oh no. Oh. But yeah. Tula Neal and I spoke about this at length on our podcast episode this summer.
3: Ari Aster is exceptionally gifted at exposition, mm. and the film is just so exquisitely written to the point where he can show you anything, and in seconds gives you tons of exposition based on how he's directing his his actors and everything. But the big reason why i absolutely adore this film and why it actually i, I left it feeling it, it never freaked me out it never scared me i actually found it incredibly cathartic and not because she brutally murders her boyfriend or allows him to be murdered <clears throat> um but it's this really impressive uh discourse on a very specific type of grief it's the grief you feel when you are a survivor of suicide the 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 film opens with uh the suicide of her sister who is bipolar uh as as she also murders her parents um and uh florence pew i always forget her first name i just remember pew for some reason um florence's uh she gets the call and she's It's just this really raw expression of pain and loss um, to the point where Jack Raynor, who plays the dickhead boyfriend, is, uh, you know, he's holding her immediately after she finds out and she is.
4: Not immediately. Did he pick up the phone right away? No, no, no. It cuts to her just like wailing in his arms.
1: He's not exactly doing the best job of like Wasn't he
4: complaining dec- about her and ignoring
1: her? Well, he's oh, got yeah. a he's got a look. Oh, yeah. He's not he's not yeah. you know, right that moment you can tell that he he was already complaining. Yeah. And then he's you know, come on, you can't get drawn in or whatever, and no, then it turns out I have a grudge sh- on
4: behalf of her character about how long it took yeah. him to get, yeah. oh, you get his head right. But yeah, back Oh to yeah,
3: me. no. And um, he never gets his head right. And no. he is a dick from yes. the get go and he was gaslighting her non stop, which yes. in and of itself, the, the depiction of that is awesome um but there's a moment when he is holding her when she's crying he starts you can see him tear up and kind of brush tears away that was actually him breaking character oh wow he couldn't keep character around her while she was doing that they tried a Mm. few times and he just couldn't do it but the depiction of specifically how she feels in that moment and how she moves through her own life after that happens and the way the harga embrace her
1: the Harga being the Swedish people.
3: Yes, being the... The, the curious
1: the, Swedish village.
3: The the cult at the heart of the gang gang cult shit, um, of which this movie is lousy with. Uh, this is all like I, this is all textbook for what it feels like when you've lost someone to suicide. I lost someone, when I, my first boyfriend, when I was 16, committed suicide. And I remember moving through my own life, feeling like I was this alien. And everyone around me either tiptoed or didn't want to be around me, and didn't know how to speak to me. And it was non-stop apology instead of just allowing the grief and sitting in it with me. And when you see the Harga just, there's the, the, the picture, the famous picture of her kind of huddled on the ground screaming, crying, and them all around her and screaming and crying with her. That scene was absolutely breathtaking for me because it was such an artful, beautiful depiction of just that yearning for someone to just allow you to feel and not try and fix you in that moment just feel the pain and let it happen and a lot of what he's depicting is also this thing uh, it's it's called ululation, which is used in a lot of various different cultures and is depicted in like ancient pottery and things like this when you see these figures with their hands and their hair staring at the sky mouths open, screaming and it's something that north americans don't really engage with which is the act of actually vocalizing our grief through screams and just tearing at your clothes and just it's almost like interpretive dance it's just you know that outlandish let loose and he and he did that he did it with tony Collette and hereditary and he did it again here and it is he is becoming a master of the portrayal of honest human grief and that was and it's also funny Believe it or not, there it's are absurd. So many.
1: Yeah, um, what you describe should be, and oftentimes is, extremely dark, and yet this movie is so damn bright. Mm-hmm. You know, like this thing is so dialed up and like over, like pushing overexposed mm-hmm. um, because it's midsummer in Sweden where the sun stays up until like whatever one in the morning. Um, you and I talked about this at length on our show when I asked you who's the villain of this film. Your answer, do you remember?
4: Was it Sunlight?
1: Like? Bad decisions.
0: Oh, bad, <laughs> bad decisions? <laughs> yes.
4: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the bad person in every kind of horror type genre film. They made their own choices yep. from, from the jump. He decided to treat his woman some type of way. Um Cheedy Anagonian. I'm aware William Jackson Harper's character oh, geez, not yeah. named Cheaty Anagonian. Yeah. But he's but basically he's, he's
3: cheaty with like some he's yeah. cheaty with some bite.
4: Yeah. Yeah. He'll yeah.
2: always be cheaty to me. I will never yeah. accept him yeah. as anything else. <laughs> yeah, still <laughs>
4: obsessed with his thesis paper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he makes terrible decisions. Yeah. The other Friend.
1: The guy who pees on the tree, oh, yeah. the ancestral, ancestral tree, tree. where right. they yeah. where they bury They're their elders. Dead. Yeah. Figures it's a good place they to they all make whip it out
4: terrible decisions. Yeah, and I think that the way they interact with each other, to your point, is just shows the heartlessness of people.
3: It's it's well, I mean, Astor himself described it as kind of as a joke, but it, it applies. He described it as the Wizard of Oz for perverts. And it totally is. It completely is. It's the Wizard of Oz on acid, because you've got Dorothy
0: who more finally mushrooms.
3: goes and just embraces this culture that thinks about life in a in in a more honest and alternative way. Life, the circle of it, and how it's like it's it's largely harmless. And then you've got you know your your cowardly lion in terms of the uh, the boyfriend, and you've got the heartless Tin Man in terms of cheaty, and you've got the brainless Scarecrow in terms of the. <laughs> The expletive deleted, expletive deleted, expletive deleted. Who pees on the ancestral tree?
1: It's deeply affecting. Um, it's
3: particularly that gorgeous,
1: common. like you say, cathartic oh, yeah. in so many ways. Uh, it's it's a movie where a group of women are vocalizing bliss, and cut to the next scene where they're vocalizing pain. Mm-hmm. You know, as a community, it's it's unbelievable. This movie. Um, I know people who just can't stand it. Um, oh yeah they are all wrong um and i cannot wait for the next movie um by ari aster this movie and um hereditary coming back to back is oh, just oh. like one of the most amazing one two punches um i've ever seen um oh, yeah. out of out of a filmmaker uh Lynn, you're up next and you're i'm you know, assuming
2: that this one's going to come up a lot this one so. is going to
1: come up a few times yeah. so very briefly tell us about parasite
2: oh yeah uh so i don't even know what to say about it at this point oh I, the reason why I loved it is I don't know what genre to put this movie into. Like, if all of them. All of them. <laughs> and I, I love that I got to the end. I was like, what con- is, was this a thriller? Was this a horror? Was this a comedy? Was this a family drama? Yes. It's, like, so many different films. And I love that. I love, like, not knowing. Like, I didn't know what the plot was when I sat down. I didn't read anything about it. I hadn't seen the trailer. I just you know saw a director's name and was like cool I'll see this movie so that's one thing I love about Tiff is getting to see something like this with no expectations and no knowledge of the plot in advance and so it was just like a wild ride that I think similar to why I love deerskin in that it turned into something else at a certain point were you at
1: all worried that you were going back to the guy who gave you pokecha?
2: now yes
1: <laughs> because I wanted, as an animal lover
2: I I wanted to delete that movie from my brain. You watched that?
1: Yes, she did. I don't know
2: why I did. I Had How's a little bit too? of trepidation but
1: and you were happily surprised. And, I, it, and it's and like you say like it's because of it's I
2: loved it just kept going in places like it took me on a roller coaster ride that I had no idea where it was going to twist and turn and what was going to happen. I loved every single every member of this family like brought something different to the table and I just yeah. gasped. <laughs> okay
1: yeah we great. will be talking about that a lot as this show goes on um so we'll scurry along for now my number four was a film Lindsay, uh, the dog ate my homework just watched before
2: i finished it an hour ago you
1: we <laughs> went to air <laughs> yeah. uh my number four is by lulu wang it is the farewell starring aquafina <laughs> the farewell by lulu wang is a story about um a chinese american family um where the the grandmother the paternal grandmother um is given a cancer diagnosis and they decide not to tell her because that's a thing that you get to do in china
3: because it's not illegal
1: because it's not illegal and they're just like
2: and not just a family like it's not illegal for the doctors to yeah
1: yeah you it's can just decide insane. not to tell them and the idea being that they will just they will kind of self-destruct and die of worry so i mean in a weird way it kind of makes sense um i do not approve of this i should just (laughs) put that out but um and so what happens is this within the course of this family the granddaughter the one played by aquafina she's the one taking it the hardest because one she thinks that her grandmother they called her nai nai she should know number one and number two she's gonna lose her grant she's gonna lose her nai, nai and so she's just all out of sorts at the beginning of this movie and she cannot go to china to wish her goodbye they make this wedding out of nowhere one of the other her other grandson is getting married and they're like we're gonna sh- rush him along the engagement process just so he can get married so we have an excuse for the whole family to get together and say farewell to nai, nai and aquafina um her character's name is Billy. Um, she just says, screw it, throws the plane ticket on her credit card and goes. And it's, it's again, it's another movie about identity. It's another movie about class. It's another, it's a movie about family and legacy again, um, where it is all so simple and so subtle. And you understand, like it's, it is not at all my world. There, there, there is nothing about this movie that, is anything in my upbringing, anything in my reality. And yet it hit me so hard and so wonderfully. It managed to both make me laugh over and over again at some of the absurdities, some of the beautiful things in it, um, its ultimate payoff. And of course it made me cry as well. Um, This is a movie kind of like what we were talking about with the last black man in San Francisco, that talks about home because Billy was raised in China and she left when she was like seven or eight. And now she, when she goes back, first of all, she doesn't get to go back all that often. And when she goes, she doesn't even recognize it anymore. So it's all, again, another one of these movies this year that was about the quest for finding home. One of the beauties, I think you could probably speak to this as well, about this movie by Lulu Wang, is that it's not a slog. It's not eating your vegetables. It's really joyous.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not like... Strangely. Strangely, yeah. you'd think it would just be... Because it's all these people who are devastated who have to pretend that they're not. Because... They keep saying her, like, you can't walk into the room with look at your face. You look sad. You look miserable. Don't and, walk back in the
3: room unless you fix your face. Yeah, like, do something with <laughs> yourself.
2: And even the grandmother keeps saying, like, what's wrong with you? It's jet lag. And they send her, they make her go get, like, an excruciating massage yeah. with, like, cuffing and, and stuff. It's, like, torture just to make her look physically. More well so that she could and one of the things I loved is I was convinced I don't think it's true now, that I got to the end But I was convinced for most of the movie that the grandmother knew Yeah, because they do they do say that she did the same thing with her husband. She lied to him before he passed away and um, Because you're supposed to take on the burden for someone else Mm -hmm. So part of me thought she knows and she's trying to she's the kind of person She's trying to take the burden for her family Mm -hmm. while the family is trying to take the burden away from her So I actually thought there was like this double Burden-taking? Burden, burden. like it was just everybody trying to spare somebody out, like their loved ones, from pain.
3: And it's such a gifted... It's such a giftedly made film. So exquisitely crafted in that... uh, It's Luda Wang?
0: Yes. She
3: has managed to... She creates profound moments of truth in utter silence. Yeah, and that's oh, the actress the who plays the grandmother.
2: I the want her to get so many awards. I don't know that that'll happen because I think it's kind of role that'll get overlooked. Because
3: uh, I don't know, I'm on the fence about this. One. I think Aquafina
2: will get some attention, but I, I, the I, grandmother role just seems like the kind of role that people. The mother was. The mother was. There's a very really sp- great.
3: Yeah, there's a very specific name that she carries as the with because this is her mother in law. Yeah, and there's a really unique. Depiction of that—that that really hit true. And like you're still an
2: outsider. It's still yeah. your family, but you're—you'll always be a you're tiny like, bit of an outsider yeah. within that family.
3: And even you have your own baggage and your own resentment that goes along with someone who is at the end of their life. But yeah. How do you reconcile that resentment with the pain that the people who love them around you are feeling, and your own? you know how do you do that with losing
1: a generation you know the daughter-in-law she also talks a lot in this movie about how am i supposed to grieve like what will please you the most if i wail if i tear my hair out i can hire somebody to do that and then they actually cut to somebody who another family has hired. hired to do that but that whole notion i did love that about this movie of there is no one way to grieve there is no one time period there is no one set of steps and it can be all kinds of things for all kinds of people it can even be joyous yeah
2: yeah and the thing my favorite aspect of this movie which is kind of one of the lighter moments is the cut the uh Awkwafino's only has one cousin like mm-hmm. in the whole family, and he so he has to get married mm-hmm. in order to have a ruse to get everybody to go to China to visit With the, the grandmother. He's been dating for like three months. Yeah, the yeah. only and they found these two actors who have the best anti chemistry. <laughs> so it's so clear without them having to like explain it every time they're in a room together every time like they're whole, they're they're doing in the background when they're doing the wedding photos oh my god and they're just like the they're they're clearly it's just some girl that he started dating he she she's in on it obviously yeah. and he's had to say look I, can we just get married for my family and it's two people who probably shouldn't, they don't dislike each other, they're just like,
0: they're very They are, not, yeah. they are
2: not at this point yeah. yet. They look like they that just went on a first date and now they're getting married. And it's just, I don't know how they found these two actors who just are so good at like not having any chemistry oh. while getting married and having all these scenes, like all their scenes are like together. Yeah. And, and even that cousin is devastating. Like he oh, yeah. he kind of plays like a goofy fool most of it, but he's also like, it's he's just trying to like not show the fact that he's like breaking on the inside like i thought just everybody was so great on this movie
1: yeah that's that slow-mo shot towards the end where the family is walking away from the wedding like that's that's a badass shot yeah. you know that, that's that's right up there so that is our four. So we will take a quick break and be right back after this with our number threes come on back people yes. Time for number three. Miss Neal's back up. Petula Neal. Talk to us about Beyonce, Homecoming.
4: Uh, correction. It's Homecoming, colon, a film by Beyonce.
1: Ah. Uh, Brian. Sorry. <laughs>
3: get it right.
4: The
1: beehive will just light up my Twitter. Well, I get think it right. if anyone
4: watched this movie, they would understand that Beyonce would politely and carefully indicate correctness and precision as part of the whole thing. This movie... It does many things, but I feel like what it does the best is explain what it's like at work for every black woman every day. Because that's how much extra work you've got to do just to get what you already deserve. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it went somewhere for a minute. (laughs) Dialed it back, bring it back. No, no, please. (laughs) But uh, I never really got the Beyonce thing. So I wasn't like a huge... I love her music. She's beautiful, great, whatever. But whenever you know she'd be coming to town and people would be saying, you know, hey, got an extra three hundred dollars, kick it around, let's go. See, I would be like that's that's a pair of shoes and a couple of cocktails. So <laughs> like I like her, but she's ubiquitous. I can hear her everywhere. I don't need to like do that. So I was never all in there's a certain amount of love you just have to have for Beyonce if you're like a human on the planet but now I get it like more the love and the respect the adoration and just everything but the work ethic ultimately came back to that over and over again because you're getting the experience from the POV of the audience at uh, Coachella or as it was that year mm-hmm. but it, the interstitials much like what I loved about the interstitials in Dave Chappelle's Block Party, you're seeing the work that goes into it. You're seeing the performance time. You're seeing that there is craft putting together a air quotes perfect concert, or a perfect show, and the thought and everything else. But you're still getting surprises because you're not seeing everything until you see it all come together. Just like when Dave Chappelle's Block Party, you don't see the fujis in the rehearsals, but you see. Or you see two of the three Fuji's talking about Lori Hope, but you don't see her with them until the end. And it's you know they said it would take a miracle, and then they're back together. When you see her with her girls again, there there's a part of you that just is like, this is what we needed right now. This is what the world needed right now. Can we just take a moment and celebrate this? Also, I would say to my editor, lady, what were your thoughts when you saw like the cuts between the costume changes? (laughs) Good gosh darn.
0: You I haven't, didn't seen, see it. It? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But
4: you've seen, seen clips. You've I've
1: seen seen she was, actually, she was uh, in the room while I, I was so it was an audio experience. Yeah. yeah,
2: There was a lot of stuff I did yeah. really like that I saw.
1: I loved this movie. Uh, a, a, a friend and family of the show, um, Paolo, he, he's kind of like Prince, he just goes by one name. Um, he wanted to actually declare this a film of the year last year, when it was just the actual concert. He's like, can I call Bay my favorite movie I of remember the year? That. Yeah, and I was like, no, no, that's not how cinema works, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then like the, you know when this movie finally dropped on Netflix, I'm like, now you can call it a movie of the year. He can. So, he, and, yes. and lots
3: of love to him.
1: Yeah, yeah. much love yes. to, to Paolo. Um, I love the heck out of this movie. I, I love um, she goes out of her way um, with the bands, right? Like the band, along with the fact that her entire cast and crew and everything is people of color. Her her band was all women of color wasn't it mostly in, yeah. in you know like everything it's just like like the guitarist and all, like all them, a lot of them are saying i've never had anything near this big like mm-hmm. my next biggest thing was like the state fair <laughs> last year <laughs> yeah. you know and and
4: dancer ladies or shapes and sizes yes it's yes and, Lizzo.
1: and and you watch how they're all like they're all just working their asses off in it to make this really visionary performance coachella for anybody who's never seen or gone there is just a stage in a field really and truly it is nothing like the kind of production that beyonce decided to do this one year because it's just too damn hard to to do something like this in the middle of a festival where there are like a hundred other acts that come and go over the course of the weekend and everybody can see what she's trying to do and they're like we're just gonna make this happen we're not gonna get starstruck in this moment even though every single person who was brought into the show has every right to be starstruck. They all just, they're like, okay, we're doing this. We're doing this, we're doing this, we're doing this.
4: Everyone understands the significance of what they're there to do. She understands she's the first black woman to ever headline Mm Coachella. All of the other people understand they're at service of what she's trying to do. And again, you say that and it sounds like an insane cult, but it it just makes sense. The two, uh, the twins, they're like, we're just here to make shapes for her. <laughs>
3: the, the twins are there? Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah. Oh, they're just, we just make shapes for Yeah. Like the mistress. Like they didn't call her that, but that was very much the energy. Yeah. Like they're all here in service over It's like um, that parable of the people who are helping to build Notre Dame. Some of them seem to understand the endpoint significance. Some of them understand, you know, what they're doing, but, you know, there's the bricklayer, oh, I'm laying bricks, so I'm doing this. And there's the person sweeping up and says, I'm building a cathedral for the Lord. Like, it is a concert that's filmed but it's more and she talks about for herself she didn't have a normal growing up experience she didn't get to go to college where she wanted to and she always sort of had that fantasy of the hbcu and she created the fantasy of what her school experience would have been like through this concert plus she just had twins you see her husband coming to pick her up with the kids jay-z with like there's two children like and then there's the other one Blue Ivy, scampering around and you have these moments of her deploring about the state of her body and how it doesn't do what it's always done her body has been her mechanism from when she was trained in a only slightly less aggressive way than joe jackson trained those kids and you know how they turned out Good. <laughs> Like, so for the first time, her body isn't immediately listening to her because she had the audacity to produce life and then still want to have a job. And it just, it's a—it's just everything. the music slaps. Yes. Slaps.
1: The, I mean, the, the last thing I will say about this. The last, the last thing I will say about this is. Slaps. Is slaps. Uh, it's a slap happy good time. Um there it is. Good trend. Yeah, Keep on going. <laughs> ah. They could have very easily taken a GoPro, put it on lock, just recorded the whole thing straight. It would still be incredible. The fact that it got this much craft in terms of production of the production is insane.
4: There are camera people dancing backwards up and down crystal stairs. Watch it
1: on Netflix, people. It's there right now. It is in your phone, it is on your device. Watch it. Ariel Fisher, uh, you have piqued my curiosity and my attention. Uh what in I the holy know. heck is horror noir? <gasps> yeah. You don't know what
3: horror noir is? No. I've never heard of i I
1: saw it at 10. When, yeah. they, when did they did, they did, the, did
3: it in February. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Oh yeah, okay. okay. Sorry. Perfect. <laughs> like minds. Let me <laughs> give y'all let me give you some information. One, it's on Shudder. If you're not subscribing to Shudder. Yes, I may or may not work for them. Maybe should work for them. I don't know. Um, if you're not subscribed to Shadow yet, subscribe now. Watch Horror Noir. It was uh, based on a book by uh, Robin uh, Means Coleman. Is that it? I Did remember her it? name correctly.
4: The one who does the book, yes, not the teacher. Correct. Yes, not correct. the teacher.
3: Yeah. Uh, she wrote a book uh, called Horror Noir that explored uh, black representation in horror. The pitfalls the successes, the tropes, everything about it. And then, um, Phil Noble Jr., who is the editor-in-chief of Fangoria, and Ashley Blackwell, who runs Graveyard Shift Sisters, uh, an amazing website. If you do not know it, go look it up. She's doing incredible work. Uh, Wrote, decided to, she wrote, he produced, she co-wrote with a couple of other people, um, including Tananariv Du.
0: I can never say name.
3: I always stumble and I feel like an ass. Uh, who is also a professor, um, they co-wrote with a f- couple of other people this film. Wait, this is one of the single most important documentaries on film ever made. Wow. And it will go on to continue to be as such. It has explored something that no one else has explored yet in a way that no one else has wanted to explore. There is not a single white face in front of the camera as it should be. And they it's people from all walks of life Talking about like writers, directors, producers, actresses, actors, you name it, talking about everything that went into the subjugation of people of color and black people and their representation in in horror as specifically and how problematic it was from things like I walked with a zombie to Get Out and Beyond. And, you know, you get Rachel True talking about the pain of having to constantly be the girl who asks, Are you okay? (laughs) Like the best friend who just kind of sits there and, Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? okay?" There's There's a meme about it. It's great. And she made it public what she has to go through and what other people all have to go through in this industry. And it is shameful and this pulls back the veil while discussing all of the things that happened and why it was hard even you know you consider things even like uh, you know gone with the wind and um and oh god why am i forgetting her name i suck with hattie McDaniel. hattie mcdaniel yes thank you and you know the difficult spot she was put in and where people are now and that you don't have to you still have to choose it, it's wrong of me to say that you know well, you never have to choose between a paycheck and doing the right thing. No, of course you do. Everybody does. So unfortunately, still so
1: have to. Petula, yeah. Neal, you've seen this movie as well. Uh, you can you can vet uh, vet uh, Miss Fisher's enthusiasm.
4: It said things out loud that you kind of always know and feel. Mm. Whether it's you know when you're watching, um, I think sci-fi and fantasy have some of the same challenges. Or up until fairly recently, in recent decades. If you see someone who looks like you, and you look like me, they go and die, um, <laughs> or they're only going to talk like that, or yep. they're going to be like those cars and transformers. Or it's just there's sometimes when you think if this is what representation looks like, no, I want it. Like it's just not cool, and it, this movie sort of puts in a very kind of. I do use the term Chris Rockings from good hair. An edutainment way. Because it is a documentary, but it's like entertaining. Yes. Um, in a very kind of educational way, like, this is this has been on purpose. This is because of the way the world works. This is because of colonization, it's because of sort of the demonization of people of a specific color. And it's is pervasive and it's so baked in that we don't even think about it anymore. We don't think about the fact that, you know, the swamp thing has certain features like thick lips and whatever and like these things you're, it bums you out even more but it also makes you feel slightly better about being angry when you see something that is obviously wrong because you realize you've been letting so many other things slide.
3: I and mean, It brings so many amazing titles to the foreground that people don't know about.
1: But, but also Candyman. Uh, that's, that's what I like. like, like, like also candy, <laughs> but also, also Candyman. Candy yeah. And I love the yeah. way they
3: discuss <laughs> Candyman and want people need to really yeah. dig into the meat at its underside because it is meaty and like Ganja and Hess and like really discussing because I'm shocked always at the amount of people. Who don't recognize the significance of *Night of the Living Dead* and that casting decision because that was incidental. And George Romero, like, gotta love him, was just totally oblivious to the fact that he was doing anything remotely important at the time. And you know, he's like, "Are you sure you want to (laughs)
4: do this?" For (laughs) every thousand white men that say they don't see color, then there's the one George Romero that actually didn't see color.
1: Actually, managed to trip over it. Yeah, I always say that the mark of a good documentary is one should not give a Being about the subject matter and still come away engaged and be like either they learn something, they're entertained, they're just told you from the first date. I think told me documentary film is storytelling, and just I don't
2: know why you didn't know that before that. (laughs) I didn't watch it.
1: Um, (laughs) yeah, um, so calling me curious, you know, like now that I look at the, I, I, I gotta be honest, like if you had just been like. Uh, oh here, go watch this. I would have been a little skeptical, not because it's you, not because I don't trust your opinion, but it's like you're, you know, you're a horror woman, and it's like, yeah, no, like, watch this one. I'll be like, okay, yeah, all right, for sure. just I'll put it on the pile. Um, I mean, no, no, no,
2: it sounds interesting but, to me. Oh, that's no, no, awful. No, 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 no I, I don't say. I, I just it's the same
1: way as if I gave you a sports one.
3: I mean, one. fair. But yeah, I that, that's what I'm
1: saying, and it's it's not it, like because it's it had, not
3: your it's not your preferred mode,
1: right? It's okay. not it's and like and I like I still like. I certainly like horror actually much more than I did at the beginning of this decade, but still it's, and and it's, it's just one of those things now listening to you talk about it. I'm like, okay. Yeah, no sold. Got it. And there's clearly much more to this than it's a documentary about horror or it's a documentary about a subsection of horror. This is a story. This, this is, this is a very good story, obviously that more yeah. people need to hear.
3: I'm currently in the process of putting together kind of a a a horror 101 guide with reading materials and viewing materials for my father because Mm. he doesn't understand what i do he doesn't understand the genre i work in and he said he asked for this saying he wants to learn more this documentary is at the top of his list and is one of the first things he's going to be watching
1: he's a lucky dude uh lindsay very briefly uh give me a few words on portrait of a lady on fire
4: have you guys seen it? I haven't, but it's okay no. to spoil it because I will see it I, no matter what based yeah. Spoiler, on... Spoiler, there's a portrait
1: see. of a lady on fire. All right. And oh, there's a portrait oh, of a lady both. on fire. Wait, so both. is the
3: lady on fire or the portrait on fire? Both. both. There are
2: two yeah. different are, portraits. The, the, the
1: title... Portrait, the, yeah. I am growing a deep, deep affection for the title of the movie happening within the movie or being spoken aloud yes. during the movie. And at one point at the beginning of this movie, you see the portrait of a lady on fire.
2: You see a portrait of a lady on, on fire. fire. Okay. Later, and you later, see a portrait of a lady... lady
1: on, oh, on fire. fire, yes. Brilliant. Six got Brilliant. layers.
2: That's it, I'm sold. That's all you had to say. Yeah. Um, B- basically, this just... I wasn't <laughs> you're <sure>. all <laughs> beyond the meta Yeah. Yes.
1: I mean, I just... <laughs>
2: it's mainly that. that. <laughs> um, but I love any kind of period film. Like, I, if I see a woman in corset and you add in some gender politics of the time, that's all I need usually for a good movie. But the, And then with some, like... I was gonna say lesbian undertones, but this is like overtones. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, that's the one. Thing this, is heard not,
0: about this is not this is not queer baiting at all. No,
2: this
3: is a very gay
0: film. Yes. It's a very
2: gay film. in all the best like sexy ways. It's, the cast is like it's really three main characters. No, there's four, but one of them is not in it for a oh, lot right. of the time. It's like the two main women and then the housekeeper, um, and they're like alone in a house in the middle of nowhere, and it's like there's they don't even talk a lot sometimes it's just them. Um, it's, it's kind of a quiet film i didn't know if i would like this when when people start i wanted to see it initially at tiff and it just didn't make my list because i saw a very small amount of film you
1: described it with a certain word that you like to throw around quite a lot, I, quite a lot
2: i was very i so by the time i actually saw this film which was kind of recently i was like i'm probably not gonna like this movie but i'm just gonna watch this pretentious lesbian Lindsay film. was
1: perched on the edge of the couch the phone was just
2: out Oh, I was of reach. like I'm probably just going to like play on my phone while I'm watching it, but I didn't. It was
1: You were deeply engaged. It, it
2: was it's a beautiful film. I don't want to give too much away, but it is um I it, it was yeah, it's just beautiful. It's a very slow burn with this relationship with these women. Um not and not just the romantic relationship, but also friendships um between isolated lonely women and um, a woman has been hired to come in and paint a portrait of this wealthy woman's daughter um, who used to be in a convent but her sister has recently committed suicide. So the man, so the sister had been betrothed to some man um, that she didn't know. And in those days, the last step, like if you were kind of sold off to a wealthy man, you would send a portrait. And that was like, that was kind of like, he could take it or leave it at that last minute before you ship the daughter off to actually marry him. The yeah, daughter, it's
0: a swipe
4: lifter, right. Yes, it was, yeah, sh- it's it was show me a picture. It's oh, basically
3: yes. what it is. So send the, send the portrait, keep the woman? Yeah.
4: Yes. yes.
3: No. So basically... only. Thanks, I hate it. Basically this,
0: this, <laughs> yeah, this young woman... And yet you will love it. Yeah. Oh, I have
2: no doubt. This woman who had been betrothed killed herself. So they, they, we don't meet her, this is before the film starts. So her the only other daughter, the only other sibling who was living in a convent up to that point is now the hope for the family so they take her from the convent they took a happy lesbian out of the convent to yeah basically <laughs> to have a portrait It feels she's, like a hate crime and she's resistant to having her portrait painted so they bring in a female artist because she's already I bet people. she's
4: yeah. resistant she's
2: resistant <laughs> yeah oh my god I hate crime the movie yeah uh. <laughs> now
3: with subtitles
2: <laughs> yeah Weird. and they don't overtly explain any of these gender politics you kind of yeah. you, some, you,
1: you gotta even, know this shit you, we will come back to that in just a moment though uh my number three we talked about a moment ago uh my number three is parasite um and it will come up again yet more one more time so i'm just going to kind of say that a lot of people told me about that scene in parasite how this movie has that scene that's just bananas you're never going to believe it's coming and never going to believe what happens and how it all plays out i'm like all right sure guys i i'm sure that i'm gonna see the dominoes falling into place and see what's coming no no i I had no idea where this movie was ultimately going the same way uh when we talked about it on this podcast we talked about the fact that within this movie there's a hidden door and you don't even know that the hidden door is there until it is finally pulled open from behind this like pantry and when this hidden door opens and it's just pitch black behind it you have no idea what's what's on the other side, what could possibly be coming up, considering that it's a Bong Joon-ho movie. I gotta admit that in this age of knowing every last thing about the big properties before they even come on our screens, it's refreshing and exciting to sit down in a movie and say, all right, have at it, you know, and just not be able to predict half of what's coming, little, little most of what's coming on this show we usually try to go spoiler free Mm -hmm. when we did the parasite episode we we had to say off the top we're like we cannot talk about this film and and skirt spoilers Mm -hmm. please just watch this movie once you've watched it come on back because we need to talk about it as a complete work um i all i can say is that
3: for a whole episode oh
1: no all i can say about this movie is i'm happy that we're getting to the end of the year we're getting into like award season and it's getting recognition Mm -hmm. parasite great movie um been on two lists so far and we ain't even done uh speaking of not being done we're gonna take another quick break uh come on back after this we will talk about the twos in just a moment All right, Petula Neal. Doesn't money make you horny? Crawl into my fur. <laughs> Tell us all about not the amazing opus that is Hustlers.
4: Okay, so this is a film. It's based on an article. I read a tweet about an article that you're in the New York New <laughs> You're famous.
0: Uh,
4: <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 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 called uh, the Hustlers at Scores. Uh, an article that was written by a woman who in the film is portrayed by Julia Stiles, a group of women who around the time of the stock market, the, the 2008 stock market shenanigan, uh, they work as dancers and they need another way to juice the revenue at the club uh, when all the stock stop coming in for tons of money around and instead of going for more of a reactive inside sales model, they are a little more proactive and go out. Uh, the the Ramona character played by Jennifer Lopez is
0: yeah.
4: amazing, but one of the things that she does the best is make you understand why they're doing what they're doing and not just empathize with them, not just root for them and not because Oh, poor women who have to dance naked, they need the money or, you know, oh, well, you know, if they have it so bad. You're rooting for them because they came up with a good plan and they execute it. Mm -hmm. And really, are they hurting anyone more than the people who crash the stock market? I would argue that at least in this instance, everybody gets together. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> it's true. The the dance performance, and if you watch the trailer, I mean, before this movie came out, I watched the trailer approximately a thousand times. Uh, doesn't spoil the big dance number that you see, even like the stuff on J Lo's YouTube channel where she shows her training with a Cirque du Soleil artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still don't get the full dance spoiled. It is worth it just for that, and that mm-hmm. happens in the first part of the first act of the film. Uh, it is yet another great sort of two-hander, and the chemistry between her and Constance Wu is. And you're and... <laughs> <laughs> is I much like how it would be to work with Beyonce? I feel like for anyone working with JLo, you would just have moments where you're standing there looking at her work and thinking, "Wow, how do you do that? I wish I could be." half as good as you. And it doesn't matter that you're know, she's so young, Asian, pretty, and JLo tells her all of her attributes in a way like, why are you even concerned about, like, look at you, you're a triple threat. But she's doing what all of us would and should do when looking at JLo move at all. <laughs> <laughs> because I would say her opening dance and then there's a scene later on in the movie, much later, where you're just watching from behind, fully dressed in a tracksuit, slowly walking down the street and i know i said out loud on perhaps my second or third watching damn she's so hot like just <laughs> it came out of me like someone at church
1: and yet you brought this up again when we were talking about this weeks or months ago the look of this movie um you could tell this is a movie that was directed by a woman mm-hmm. by the way of the camera wasn't quite down here it was more just up here
4: mm-hmm. it's the same pov that you have in wonder woman where in wonder woman you only want see the slight bottom of a butt curve when directed by patty jenkins but in justice League or batman v superman it is a completely different pov mm-hmm. on her body, even though you see much closer shots on Gal Gadot's body, one woman and in that alone, but it's also and and they've talked about this a lot in interviews, you don't see the the kind of point of view of the kind of perverts row kind of up up the pole view. You see it from their coworkers, you know, no. the, as they look at each other and they're watching their coworkers perform their job.
2: And I feel like if a, a man had made this movie, the the relationships with the woman, because we know like you don't see J Lo on a stripper pool and you're like a rival stripper, you don't think like I'm so jealous of this girl. You're not. You're just like I want. How can how can, how I, can I be? You? How can I be her? How can I make her my friend? How can she train me so that maybe I can? And that's the like where I feel like if a man had did this, it would have been a rivalry. There would have been tensions.
3: Well, that was the whole conversation around it. People in people were objecting to the film, like male critics, because they don't
2: understand how exactly. women relate to each other. No. In their mind, women are nothing but stereotypes. Where we're Patty and we were right. always. There's only room
3: for one at the top, and we're always we're s- climbing. Always in, we're always in competition. Yeah. We're always fighting each other.
1: Specifically to your point, yeah. male critics were saying, I can't believe that J-Lo would wrap Constance Wu in her fur. Like, and, not just, her. And, and not sabotage her. And not sabotage her. just like the first moment you've met her, come on up here, get in my coat. As guys cannot believe that because yeah. guys are assholes who would do that.
3: Accurate. Yeah. But but it's, it's not just that guys are assholes who would do that. It's because men at large have an understanding of women that is largely fueled by other men's Perspective. perspectives and 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 yeah. and it's it's absolutely insane of course they would want to help each other and when they do and things go belly up and everything goes wrong they're still kind of trying to understand each other there's a point where you know they do have to kind of branch out and for themselves and do what they have to do but for the most part it's just there's a lot of just this is a film about sisterhood Mm -hmm. and women understand
2: brotherhood um because we've spent our whole lives watching movies about how men relate to each other made by men who understand that dynamic where they've only watched movies about how women relate to women from their point of view so women understand it because we live it but we don't get to see it so One much. of my
4: favorite scenes is when they have Lily Reinhardt pose uh, for a picture to send to a prospective
1: client. Betty Cooper? Yes.
4: Yes. And it would be so different if it was a man telling Lily Reinhardt to pose that way. Yeah. Mm. With her juicy lips slightly open, her <laughs> thumb just perched on the edge of her teeth, her head over her shoulder that so you get sort of that ideal comic book pose where you can see the T and the A. But as they art direct this perfect picture in order to get this gentleman to respond right away, as they applaud each other, it's like, good job, well done, like great posing, great picture taking. Like that collaborative bit of filmmaking that they do within the <laughs> film, those are the moments where it's like women understand, not just women, but they understand what their bodies, especially parts of their bodies, especially if they have a certain look, do to men and unlike the sort of, you know, competition, whatever, they understand, let's use this to help each other. Mm -hmm.
1: What I love about that moment so much is that it's so offhand by J.Lo, she's just do the thing. You know what he likes. Just do... And it takes like... Oh, that thing. And it just... It's not even... It's not very complicated, even though a movie that you talked about either last year or the year before, Assassination Nation.
0: The Ah. character in that
1: movie goes to great lengths to explain in her selfies, I have to pose this way, but my buttocks this way, and my waist this way. And the angle is all about this. And you have to make it all look so easy because that's what's going to get a guy's attention. And And it's the same thing here. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I just love that it's just... You're getting
3: the analysis versus the actual execution. When you know what you're doing and you know what you have and what you're working with, yeah, You do it like that. Mm. But also, that's because of, you know, you're not you're not, you're not not paying for the final print, you're paying for the years of expertise kind of thing. Yeah. Like with freelancers, it's the same idea.
4: I'll just briefly, so that this doesn't go on all night, the soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack. So you have Criminal, of course, for J-Lo's Big Dancer, but you also have Jan Jackson's control, Fat Joe featuring Lil Wayne, Make a Raid, Too Short featuring Lil John, Shake That Monkey. Just the choices in here. And then... Some of the teaching moments, some of the the collegial moments between the women, they go with Chopin and Mm twos. So you have this dichotomy of the music as well. When they're having their moments with each other, that's the energy, is Chopin. They're moments when it's performative, but yet low-key. I'm here to take your money full because you can't keep it in your pants. You could never get with this unless I was up here and you were down there. Mm. that is it it
1: just yeah just to put an end note on hustlers this is what i would say if you are the kind of person who is wringing your hands about the state of cinema and what is out there this was a major film it actually made a boatload of money they shot in less than 30 days shot in less than 30 days cost 20 million dollars has
0: jesus
1: you know a-list stars in it has beautiful women in it and made a whole lot of money so maybe we're not quite doing as bad as we think Uh, But speaking of people doing bad, uh, Ariel (laughs) Fisher, let's talk about Marriage Story, which was another one of these ones was just outside my top five, and so I'm happy that you're bringing it up. So it's on nobody else's list? No, just you. Cool. Neat.
3: All right. Has everybody seen it?
1: Yeah. No. Petula Neal is shaking her head. It's
3: okay. I'm pretty sure you you can guess what happened. There's this marriage. There's a couple and they get divorced.
1: And it goes about as well as you would think. Yeah. But it's,
3: so this movie is, I, I love, I think Noah Baumbach has to be one of my top five favorite directors. He just manages to deal with the human, in, he manages to, to capture human nature in a unique way that a f- few other filmmakers really are able to do in, with abject honesty. There's usually something that's slightly contrived, or it's manipulated in a certain way. I mean, the whole thing is a manipulation, of course, it's not actually reality, it's a film, it's being orchestrated. But he does it in such a way similar to someone like Richard Linklater, another one of my big top filmmakers, who manages to capture reality effortlessly, while heavily scripting it. This film is meticulously written and executed, almost to the letter. As a child of divorce who never had their parents deal with any lawyers and managed to do things quite civilly, this was very interesting, particularly because I just rewatched it with my father the other day. How did that go? That was really fascinating. He oh. was pissed most of it. He's <laughs> watching it going, these lawyers are assholes. Why did they get them involved? I'm like, dad, just sit, just calm, please calm. Just." breathe. And we get to the end and he kind of, we looked at each other and I'm crying because the end of it just destroys me every time. And he's looking at me and he's like watery eyed, but not crying. And he usually cries a lot of at, in movies. That's where I get it from. And we kind of just looked at each other and locked eyes and just kind of smiled and nodded. And he's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> but there's, there are some, this is a film of moments. It's performances, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, for all of her failings, do an incredible job with what they've been given there is there are a couple of scenes that people will be talking about and studying forever um mainly they have a fight scene The fight scene has been the source of a great deal of contention because people are watching it going like no he's gaslighting her still and it's abusive and this is what abuse looks like and yes i thought that was
2: one of the realist scenes um as someone who is married um and uh, you know you get Wait, a, what no <laughs> you're married but
1: please continue
2: the way that they fight and the way it it, it grows to a point that's almost Pointing like no maybe return. to someone who's never felt that way and you say really like beyond horrible thing just snap, and you can't and then and you're but you're also upset like you're angry and you're upset and you don't know how to sometimes it's more than the human brain can deal with at one time and the way they both exploded like that and i thought i thought like i was i lost it like yeah. i've never cried so much i think really? during a scene like i lost it during that scene
3: this whole fight just it goes to a dark place where you kind of reach a point of no return i have had that fight had that fight with someone I was together with at the time the fight happened. We weren't even trying to separate. And I just, she, she says, you know, I can't believe I have to know you forever. And he says this horrible thing that you know he meant, but he also didn't. Yeah. And just, he collapses. You know, of course, I've got, be, you know, like a bunch of broccoli, but not <laughs> as comedic. But he, no, he just, he, he digs into this he goes somewhere and he goes somewhere that is so hard for people to go to and he touches on that feeling it's like you said it's 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 rage and it's hurt Mm -hmm. and sadness all in one
2: little tiny circumference and there's no proper words for that so sometimes the words that come out when you're feeling those things are not the words you wish had come out but they they come but, out on their own accord. Yeah. You can't always control the things that come out when you're feeling that. There's a level of emotion that, it's like an out-of-body experience. And you will say things that you, I'm not even like, not from personal experience, but you'll, <laughs> sorry, Ryan. That's
1: um, fine. But you will say <laughs> things that my all is all right.
2: shocking <laughs> sometimes even to you that, came out of your mouth like you you said something so hateful so hate and i think when he says that and he just started crying i was like crying with him because you're feeling he made you like he
4: makes you feel feel it it with him and then you're because you're i've only ever fought with my family like that never like
0: a partner
1: but this has been this has been a point of contention for the critical community as as a lot of a lot of interesting reactions and writing has been in that moment it's like he collapses and it's on her to put an end of not at all things but that's the conversation that's happening is and I can't believe at that point. That she
3: forgives him? Yeah. She doesn't forgive it's not, him. no, no it's not forgiving. No, and me, that's, and
1: what, that's what, yeah, I, I didn't get in that moment of it's okay. But the okay. thing is
3: they don't hate each Like,
2: I'm, even with no. the things that they said, they still hate each other. I, I, and I hate, it, yeah,
3: I, the reception around that scene in particular has frustrated me to no end because it's just, it positions him as a villain. Mm. I know we're used to seeing him as Ben. I haven't seen those, you know, and I, I haven't seen the new Star Wars yet, so don't worry, I ain't gonna say shit. But I I'm he's not a bad guy. Neither of them are bad and to people. That's, Up Until that that's point, I That's the
1: win of this movie is you have two like you it we saw this before with uh Before Midnight. You know, when you have an argument of two grown people in a relationship, mm-hmm. it is really hard to write the argument where they are both right.
2: And I think she comes across as more of a villain throughout the movie I it, they wrote I in I written by Noah Baumbach well they wrote so. in his infidelity I think because if if you take that his one moment of infidelity away I think she's comes across very poorly no um, my issue is I have I, it's my own personal thing I have contempt for people who feel things with their partner that they don't express out loud and expect them to read their mind and then act on it without And that was my issue with her, is she felt, she unleashes all this stuff, and she even said she had it in a past relationship when she's in her therapy session. Mm -hmm. She's had all these feelings, she's never said them out loud. He's blindsided when she finally like, um, but she's never said them, and she expects that he would know that without her, she said them in a way that he, and I I actually don't blame, it, it because she said it happened before in another relationship, she has no, she's incapable of expressing
3: her feelings. And there is something in that that is profoundly sad, and it, and, it is. And, and as as someone who has been in that position, mm-hmm. who has made themselves small to allow their partner to 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 succeed above them, who has helped them because they needed the help, and because if they wanted to go off and do their own thing, it would be a source of contention. You wind up what you wind up doing is mourning something at least in, in, in my own experience of the film, that you I know she did because of herself, it is you wind up mitigating a bad situation that you've come to call home. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself making compromises for the sake of the greater good that ultimately serves a single human,
0: mm-hmm.
3: And that's largely what she did. She didn't express herself, but that's also because she didn't fully feel she had the right to do so. It's it's less an unwillingness to be honest and more simply a lack of acquaintance with oneself. Mm-hmm. And I can't fault her for that. I can't fault him for his infidelity and that's because his infidelity comes as a natural reaction to everything he says in that fight, all the mm-hmm. things he was feeling sent. And- feeling they're both at fault for getting married in the first place they're both at fault for all the things they did to each other in the marriage and they're both at fault for all the things they said in that moment which is why they both apologize to each other as soon as he says the hateful things that he says and it is it's never it's not black and white it's not cut and dry it's complex and painful and nuanced and it's very much a big part of what the lived experience becomes it's what happens when not what happens when the love is gone. What happens when the love has changed? Because mm-hmm. they never stop loving each other. And you get this beautiful, beautiful moment where they decide, they, they sing two songs from, like in separate situations on opposite sides of the country. They sing two songs from, it's company, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, from a S- a Sondheim production. Um, Adam Driver's rendition of Alive. Oh, is one of at least from the research that I was able to do with it, one of the most emotive. Yeah, I've seen. I for mean, that it's, song. it's
2: not the best sung version no. because I love that song and I've listened to. Although I would argue I mean, that Neil Norm Patrick Lewis, Harris
3: did an amazing job with and it.
2: Norm Lewis, to me, is the pinnacle of that. Okay. Song. This I. sounds very white. It's <laughs> fair. Oh, oh, nice. Norm Lewis, Norm Lewis is, is a very handsome black man who's on my list, by the way. Just, he right knows. Um, he's an older gentleman <laughs> who I love. He's um, on
0: my list, by
1: the way.
2: <laughs> I, I, just,
4: I meant the
1: movie.
0: Oh, the
2: movie? <laughs> the is very white. Is um, very white.
1: We need to talk about Laura Dern in this movie. Oh my god. Oh my god. Because Laura, Laura Dern so in this movie has what might be the monologue to end all monologues. It's up there. Where she declares... <laughs> what a woman has to be in a marriage um as the lawyer as as the lawyer who's already been divorced once herself and nails it in the way that laura dern only can nail it this whole year has just been laura dern teaching our ass shit (laughs) at every single turn and this might be the apex of that and i don't say that lightly
3: um
1: laura dern in this movie she is
3: utterly outstanding and you get to this she plays the lawyer so well because you kind of get the facade of like you're shady yeah and you've got an agenda but at the same time you can tell that she's working within a system that as she says herself rewards bad behavior yeah and she basically says that women are held to a higher standard as mothers and as women in general are not allowed to be flawed in any way, shape, or form. We only recently started accepting men as uh, f- good father figures and, and and holding them to that standard within the last like 30 years. And before that, it was the stuff of, you know, mad men. It was this, like, as in the ad agencies, like it was the stuff of good sales. Where it was, oh, dad's come home from work, where's his martini, where's dinner on the table? And they were meant to be absent and hard workers, and women are supposed to... And aloof. And aloof. And women are supposed to be the bearers of the children, and she makes this whole connection to uh, the Virgin Mary, because she's perfect, she can have your kids, and she's still a virgin. The dad didn't even have to do the fucking. How absent do you have to be? And that this is everything that's that's there. And like it's and it's
0: and delivers it in the very Laura Duran way.
3: Very, yes, angry and pointed and just strong. But this is I I do think that there is yes, it is a very white movie, to your point. Yeah. But (laughs) but I think that to the same effect, it's there's so much in it that is profoundly human Mm -hmm. that I think might Transcend that. It definitely touches on the the waspy problem of not talking about yeah the shit that's going on.
2: And I think I think it's the Italian in me that I am physically incapable of feeling something and not expressing it, like in detail. Mm-hmm. If I have a, you're speaking
3: to a Jew, yeah.
2: <laughs> like, I we're very, like Ryan knows if I have a, if I am unhappy with a situation or if okay. you don't say it, he you see it. He he knows. But the thing is, I'll say it. Yeah, I will say it. In detail, there's no right answer
1: here, buddy. Yeah, no, you <laughs> know. So moving on, Lindsay, tell people about Rocket Man. Okay,
2: yay! <laughs> this, I mean, this is probably t- I. It's I know it's at my number two slot, but it could very easily be my number one.
1: I wish I. I wish this was a visual <laughs> medium so people could see how broadly Ariel Fisher is smiling right now.
2: How come this isn't on your list? Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> um. One. Anyone Sorry. who knows me knows I love musicals. This is a proper musical. This is not a, a film about a rock star where they just happen to be singing. This is a musical. Which it very easily could have it could been. Have, this could have been Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. This is the movie sorry, that Bohemian, so much Rhapsody, Bohemian Rhapsody, Rhapsody wishes it had been. This is what I wanted when they made Bohemian Rhapsody. And I, I remember loving Rocket Man when it came out in the theater. But then, I, you know, it was a busy time a lot came out. And then I rewatched it twice two nights in a row like a couple (laughs) weeks ago and I put it on and I was like oh yeah I remember I liked Man." and in the first like he it opens with him in a therapy session and his child self is like within the first five minutes is just sitting in the corner of the room and then all of a sudden they start singing a duet and I was like oh yeah this movie is amazing and oh my god, I'm just trying to find the words because I love this movie so much it's it's emotional it's not a chronological telling about John's life the music is not it's not like he made the sun and then he made the song it's i mean it's a jukebox music where they take the songs that relate to the emotions of the day like of how and and ultimately the storyline of the movie is about him learning to love himself the beginning of the movie it's about his relationship with his father and he says to his father when are you going to hug me because his father has never shown him any love and affection later on in the movie as an adult and he's got some success he sees his father again who has a new family and he sees him hugging his new children and it like devastates him and at the end of the movie there's another scene where he's confronting his his the little boy who played him as a younger child and he says to himself the little same little boy looks at him and says when are you gonna hug me and he says young Elton John says that to adult Elton John and he leans down and he hugs himself as a child and that is the most beautiful sentiment i think i've that's like all the you know where is love is that's where that's what he was looking for this entire movie
0: yeah
2: what was lacking in his whole oh i just think it's i don't know how how historically accurate is no, it's not. um I'm, I'm sure a lot of it's uh, not i don't know if his the, father was that big of an asshole i really i
3: think is
0: accurate
3: um and
2: his mother and yeah his, mother, yes. his jamie bill does not dance it's a travesty but otherwise the movie is so beautiful they use elton john's music so well oh um there's great like God, even from so right so at the sh- beginning when he he walks in and oh
4: i just and the clothes oh that The chain jacket yeah, yes, so you deck with all the little badges and whatnot. And
2: like, I, 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 I wonder knows. actually, like, come Oscar time, is this the kind of movie that would just they would just hand all the costume awards to, or are they gonna? kind of withhold it a little bit because these are previously designed costumes that they're emulating, even though these uh, are the but hardest But you still have to today. dupe oh
1: them, right? Think about how they
3: redid that baseball costume, though. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. so beautiful. Yeah, how many
1: sequences were on that? They, even just the the, huh. the costume that he wears to walk into that NA meeting, oh, that it. devil thing that's like, that basically slowly, that he's apart piece I mean, by piece. They created so that one. Good. Did they That really? one
4: isn't based on something. Really? Else.
1: So a lot of them are wow. based
4: off things, pieces that he still had. Yeah. But... Even though he thought he was enormous, he's still smaller than uh, Taryn is. Mm-hmm. So they had to recreate them because he couldn't fit into them. So he had a lot of the clothes still because he's a kind of a shopping addict and a hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for that piece, that was one of the ones that they designed for the film. But when they were showing Elton all of the choice, he's like, I wish I'd had that one." So that was how they knew they got it right yeah. when they did create a piece mm. when he sort of wished it had existed and it was already in his. Speaking
2: of, speaking of his size, on one of my watches, I watched it with our friend Sasha, and when he oh. when Elton first says that line, how does like a chubby, oh, yeah. or, like how does a chubby boy from whatever? And she looked at me and she was like, "Wait, is he supposed to be chubby?" I'm like, "I don't." Just magic of movies. He's like, "Cause he's not." <laughs> like no, the ad, but, he but always also felt he had chubby.
4: Body dysmorphia, yeah. Yeah. yes, among other things.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. like, he's clearly not chubby yeah. he was a naturally round she was just boy, a round, he, a, like a cherub cheeked boy with the, the casting with the of the boy as his um, younger self you know what both perf- the i loved both of the boys it was, there was so three good. three people in total in this movie play elton john two oh younger God. boys and then what
1: is the actor's name again Taren- 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 Taren-
2: Eggerson, Taren- Eggerson, Taren- who i never would have
1: you have underplayed the musical sequences in this film oh the musical the musical sequences, sequences in this film are so imaginative <sighs> so well pulled off you learn it like right from the get-go when they do the bitches back and it's into this little you know north england hamlet kind of thing and mm-hmm. and everybody's dancing and twirling and they do this kind of Pleasantville muted down but all the dresses are in color um, you know, you've got I Want Love where everybody's just walking around the house, much like the iconic Which music is the one video. under the water? Which the is one the under the water is I want to say that's Rocketman actually. Yeah, it is. Um, Crocodile Rock is big number at the Tribune, oh where everybody oh is. literally
2: my god. Literally oh my god. The They
3: literally made uh, I mm, I love <laughs> the choice that they made there. <laughs> yeah. When they went super literal with how everybody how he made people feel yeah. Yeah. and how that song makes you feel yeah like you can float and can we please talk about how insane it must have been to have had that many people on wires yeah how they must have had to reinforce the ceiling the beams that they would have had to put it in all the cranes that they would have had to use and just it is so for people who look at stuff like that and think that's neat so much goes into making something that seemingly small work that perfectly that it's Absolutely mind-boggling. I love this movie. Yes. Why didn't
1: they put it on their list? I max? don't know. You and I saw Alton this year, and yes. when Crocodile oh Rock God. comes along, the, huge... the whole crowd, went, especially when they get to the la oh, like it's God. just that <laughs> joyous. And Props to this
0: movie. it's so, like yeah. really interesting. I
4: saw it at the Lightbox when they had, well, they were supposed to have him in person, but they had him over Skype instead. Dexter Fletcher mm. actually doing like a interactive Q and A. <clears throat> um, and I mean I love Dexter Fletcher I love Sunshine on Leith. like Sunshine on Leith yeah. is
2: high up on my list of favorite movies like it's, ever yeah and
4: hey like, I love it shout out George McKay if anybody was trying to make something same same but different it was him mm-hmm. and the fact that you have sort of it's similar to the Star Wars conversation. It has everything. If you only like one of the last three movies, it gives you that other thing. Yeah. Mm. It gives you actually a man acknowledging, oh, one of my problems with my family is because I very much would like to touch man's parts. Um, it has, you know, actual, like, repeated interactions between men, but doesn't make it all about it's the not shame or whatever yeah, and it's, it's not even really about that it's just just like how any movie that's often a period movie that's about people in rock and roll where you see you know a woman's head emerge from someone's lap instead here you see a man's head emerge from another man's lap and it's just business as usual yeah you don't just have the parts of someone's life that maybe everyone knows or it's building to some sort of fake happy ending even though Ultimately, he actually, you know, where, where his life ends. This sort of like it—it it ends in the middle.
0: Yeah. yeah.
4: It ends before, and his husband David Furnish is like one of the producers. Yeah. Mm-hmm And it ends before like their relationship starts.
2: Because the movie was all building to him learning yeah. to love himself. It's not—it's not plot-wise. He's got to yeah. get to this big show, or he's got to beat drugs, or he's got to. It's yeah. leading to self-love, and that's ultimately the end of the the end of this story yeah. we all know what he goes on yeah with. and it has
4: things like his yeah. shopping addiction which if you ever, ever watched I forget the name of the documentary but it's a documentary about Tower Records we talk about how Elton yeah. would pass. come in
2: and just buy everything like, yeah, yeah like
4: once a week and just buy all yeah, he used to buy dollars. three yeah. copies of everything cuz he yeah. had it separate houses yeah so you know yeah. it acknowledges. Yeah. That, yeah. these are things about myself that are like not okay and people go to therapy for these and this is just part of me
1: my number two <laughs> is portrait of a lady on fire uh lindsay you talked about this a little bit earlier this is of the four movies i've talked about so far this is the third one not only directed by a woman but also shot by a female dp and i keep going with a running theory that there is such thing as the female gaze when it comes to director of photography uh this movie is all about looking this movie is all about observing this all the movie is all about what you see in another person right down to the way they hold their hands and i don't think what this movie sees would be seen um from a male point of view Um, with a man behind the camera with a man directing it it's and i mean there are are, i think three times where she where she actually finishes the portrait and shows it of okay what do we think here and the first two times you're like, nope, that's not right. Yeah. And it's because she's going to try to catch the smile of...
2: Of an ha- unhappy woman who won't smile. Yeah,
1: of Heloise. She's trying to catch her smile, not just on her nope. mouth, but in her entire face. And the first two, you're like, close, but nope. And you know, it's it's the kind of thing where...
2: And she, I think she even says when she sees the first portrait, she's like, is this how you see me? Yeah and i don't think at that point we'd ever seen this like an emotion process because she's closed yeah she's basically shut herself down
1: yeah um
2: and part of actually part of the plot of this movie is that because she doesn't want to have a portrait painted um the female painter who's been brought in has to do it in secret she the the girl who's going to be married believes that this girl has been brought in to be a companion like a walking partner so she she's not going to be sitting for her she has to Study her, yeah. and then paint in secret. So there's a lot of gazes, just looking at her hands, just looking at walking behind. Like there's a whole the whole first encounter they have, she, they never even face each other because one walks ahead of the other. So she just watches her form from behind, and you follow her. You just follow them on this walk.
1: And there's a moment in this walk where Heloise um, pulls back her hood.
2: No, it blows off.
1: Sorry, does it blow off? It blows okay, off. Okay, it blows off, and and you you see her her blonde hair for the first time. And I swear to God, like, you'd be like, huh. it's just, it's so striking in the way that that is
0: just captured. Shot. Yeah. The,
1: yeah, the way it is shot, the way it is rendered. Because
2: they, they make you watch her the way... It's its so quiet, and you basically want, because we've been introduced to this artist who already knows that she has to paint someone who won't post for her, and who can't know. So every time that this girl's on screen, you're watching her the way the artist is watching her. But then you imagine, because this turns into something, how, uh, even though it's not acknowledged, you, you are you're always aware when someone's staring at you so if you don't know what's happening and there's someone with you who won't whose gaze is always on you it it triggers something you start to feel something that maybe you're unaware of but you know that someone is looking into your soul like at every step
1: on that note it, the movie also makes great pains to um, nail how Marianne looks at her while she's working like when they eventually get the you know get to the truth of it that I'm here to paint your portrait Marianne actually has her sit and there's a lot of shots where we're looking at Marianne and we're watching her face as she's working now I don't presume to believe that the actor who they've got playing Marianne is also doing the painting but she's doing a killer job of the actual observation and putting all of that on her face, in her body language, looking for just the smallest gesture as a clue into this woman who is both to her as a subject and strictly as a person who is who is just um, you know, spark this in her. Uh there the boys in this cast are only there at the very beginning and the very end. The rest of it is all women. Um, there's a maid who is God love her, she's simple. Uh, she's wonderful and she and there's
2: this whole sub-storyline where there's just the, these, the maid and these two women because the mother leaves f- uh, for a while are just alone in this isolated house and it comes out that the, this young girl this maid is pregnant and so they basically spend most of the movie that's kind of how they bond trying to help this girl abort her child oh my god uh, Try, yeah, naturally trying to help her, so they do like there's a lot of scenes where they're just sitting at the table and you see feet hang- dangling behind them because the, the, it's all old wives tales the maid is just hanging like dangling from the ceiling, yeah. doing for whatever purpose. And then they, they have to, they they go out together in a field and they're picking, they're looking for certain l- leaves or certain things that they're going to boil and have, to, this girl's going to have to drink. And so it's just this sub storyline where it's just a sweet, innocent girl. They never acknowledge who, who this person is. Is she in a relationship? Um, it's just that they just, basically they have until the, mo- the girl's mother comes home. To get this child gone.
1: We're talking about stuff that sounds really bloody dour.
3: Oh no, not at all. Oh, I'm
1: loving this. I'm very. Yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it. it's incredible.
3: I'm they, listening to this, going, I hate that I haven't, yeah. that I didn't get to see it in time.
1: <laughs>
0: and, and yeah, but I'm little, also excited.
2: Yes. And how little dialogue there is about this. Like it's mm-hmm. not like they have a, a whole conversation about this is what we're gonna do. It's just like, I'll like. I'll show you. Oh, okay. How long has it been? Oh, it's been like 13 weeks. Oh, is this the first time? I'll help you. Yeah. But, like they don't elaborate on anything. You just because it's made by women. You, know, you just know what's happening. Um,
0: yeah.
1: There are some moments in this movie that are unbelievably sexy. There are some moments in this movie that are unbelievably clever. Um, one of the payoffs of this movie, without giving anything really truly away, is um, a portrait that is done that uh, goes back to the Orpheus and uh, Euripides. Euripides. Euridice. Euridice. Thank Eurydice, yeah. you. That myth and the painting that is done is somebody comes along and says oh i've never seen that type of a painting done from this myth usually it's looking this way or looking that way you've got this moment how curious and you're like well yeah that's what happens when you give a whole other artist who has been underrepresented the chance to hold the fucking brush um i wonder what that's like. has everyone
3: dropped an f-bomb except for me
1: yeah you get one in the next one um i I will not just
3: right now out of of context and
1: i will (laughs) 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 i will not spoil the end of this movie
3: oh no please don't
1: except to say no no (laughs) the final shot there's one sequence that makes up the final shot it's goddamn glorious. <clears throat> it's so simple, and it's goddamn glorious. And that is all I will say about it. That was what was told to me. Is the final shot of this movie is incredible. And going through it, I thought in my head, I'm, I'm like, okay, it's gonna be something like this. It's gonna be something like this. It's gonna be something like this. No, you get there, and it's just. Mm.
3: When you get payoff like that, you kind of yes. have to just hear what it is and then put it out of your mind. Portrait,
1: like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um,
3: so like anything with me. Well,
4: exactly.
1: Yeah. Slap happy. happy. Because we always do. <laughs> yeah. You, you started. When this. we're in charge.
4: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yes. All right, people, come on back. We got one more movie each to go. Twenty nineteen's wrapping up right after this. enough gilding the lily Petula Neal oh your number one 2019 we've taught we've touched on it several times but let's 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 dig in let's do this let's have it
4: I'm always mad when other people are right it's Parasite (laughs) Uh, we've talked about it we've talked about it I will say it starts off kind of the way Korean movies start off it's (laughs) and I'm not saying that in a bad way I love one of my favorite things about Tiff every year, yeah, especially when Colin was still there and still at Vanguard, there was this whole other like subset of Korean movies that you would get to see each year. It seemed like more and more that it was completely different view of the world. And it was just good storytelling. And so it starts off like that. Like, these people are interesting to me. <laughs> I want to see what's going on with them. They immediately establish sort of character ticks that you know you want to scratch at and find out more. And then to everyone else's point, it goes through a bunch of things. There was another movie a lot of people were talking about it, Tiff, Waves, where that has some genre flips, but it also, it's basically just two movies. It's just two distinct movies. Because the thing happens, and then after that thing happens, it changes tone and remains in that other tone for pretty much the rest of the film. This one starts off with when John goes through all the other ones we discussed, and it ends with a fairy tale. And it starts off with some of the most sort of real life problems mm-hmm. of. What do we do? What are we going to eat? How do we pay for this?
1: This place shut off a,
4: the Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah, I can't get a signal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the, the neighbor changed the password to ending with a really beautiful fairy tale.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And everything in what? between. They do so much good work. That with each shift... They, sometimes when you watch a movie and there's tonal shifts or there's genre shifts you feel so. manipulated or off-put or just sense of discomfort. just it's but with this one you just sort of it's like a good roller coaster. it's not like a rickety one mm-hmm. you get like the bad bumps that hurt like your fun parts like <laughs> it's sort of like like that smooth sort of like when you're on one of those standing ones and it just shifts yeah. and you're moving in another direction and all the good parts press up against the bars, it's it <laughs> a little faster in the right spot and it then takes a dip in the right spot and it slows down and gives you a chance to breathe and then you just chill out and at the end you just, I want to ride it again.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Like this whole film does that for you, the performances are Again, it's similar to *Knives Out* in that every performance is great, except different in that I don't know any of these actors. Yeah. Well, I probably watch them in other things, but I don't remember them because I would have only probably seen the movies a few. Mm-hmm. And the the way they shoot the different genres and the different environments, where the family we meet at the beginning lives, and the family we meet later on lives, and there is sort of like an upstairs-downstairs kind of energy. And it's literally like a difference in elevation where they live. Like, there's all of those great things like any English major. You're like, I could write an essay about this easily. But then there's layers and layers. And there's things that you should be paying attention to. And, you know, subtitles. It's great. Like, if that's not your first language, you're not second screening this. You're not, like, surfing on your phone because you have to pay attention. Yeah. And that's another sort of luxury like one of the great things about films that are not in your first language is that then you have to pay attention mm-hmm. and that's something that we really don't always do it no and there's a, a throw seems like a throwaway line when they talk about how much a housekeeper eats at one point in the movie where it pays off later when you mm-hmm. understand where the food is going and you're like you're doing all of this this light work little delicate things while you're also doing all this insane heavy lifting and
2: like even just like a can of peaches
4: yeah 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 it's uh it wasn't what i was expecting sometimes movies remind me why
1: i like movies this yes. movie is special yeah yeah ariel fisher you were the only person who this did not make it on your list and yet i still can tell that you have a deep affection for this movie
3: Oh, yeah, I love this film. I I will say, I think you've spoken about it in a perfectly coded manner. And again, per my previous statements, this is a film that people need to go into. Playing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, There's another movie from this year about class. Um, 2019 seems to have class in the brain. Um, it's it, like like um, one of you said. It's it's a movie with no clear villain, um, and yet at, at times you don't like these people, and then you don't like these people, and it's people who seem to be trying to tamp down other people to get just this much ahead.
3: Because the system is
0: stacked against anyone Correct. who does. Correct.
1: Yeah, it. and yet one thing it's I- like you know you put it that way and it sounds terrible. It really sounds like eating your vegetables. I'm gonna watch one family try to camp their way into a house as the hell
3: only Jun ho could make a film that straddles the realm of horror by by forcing you to stare into a dark doorway
1: yeah and it's it's an incredible movie i really hope more people catch up with it uh, as time goes on i you know uh, odds are it's inevitably going to be remade into something from north america Uh, i really hope people just it will I know. I know.
2: There's something else recently that I remember seeing that they were making it. "Or well, they
1: majeure. made force
4: majeure.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah.
4: So what's up with that? It looks <laughs> so bananas. But with Will Ferrell the dance? Yeah. But yeah. you still have... Oh, yeah, they have Kivu in there showing up. Yeah, yeah. So Tormund Giant's fame. I, 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 really. I mean,
3: yes. I'm not gonna go complain about. Am I see the
1: original. I still haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. So if you take one thing away from this entire podcast, because Parasite is the one that appeared on most of our list, that's the movie to see. I am now gonna clear the heck out of the side because Lindsay Ragone and Ariel Fisher, <gasps> y'all can. <gasps>
2: Oh, yay! I feel so left out. I don't think this ever happened to me before.
1: Ladies,
3: I love that we picked the same. Yay! One. Hi, yes, Ta- don't panic. Dante's panicking because Even Dante's excited. excited. I gotta be Ta- like, hold
1: on, ladies, please talk uh, about uh, Little Women.
2: Yay! Okay, huh? Full disclosure. <laughs> when I fir- when I started trying to come up with my top five list,
1: try to act surprised. A few
2: days ago, before I had seen Little Women, I gave Ryan. I said, "Well, I gotta think of four films." Because one slot's going to be little women. for Little Women. Yep. And then about like 15 minutes into a singing it, I leaned over and went, it's my number one. Mm-hmm. Like, I had not got anywhere near no. into the no. and I Dear listener, know. Dear listener,
1: if I can paint a picture for you, uh, do this exercise with me. Fold your hands together as in prayer, not palm to palm. Interlock your fingers. Bring your hands up to your mouth. Have your eyes really, really wide and drop your mouth open. That was my way through most of this film. <laughs> Me yeah.
2: too. And I, cr- sorry, the sleeves Nelson of my Munch sweater watching Andy were Williams. soaked. Yeah, yep, I kept, yep.
3: Like, yep. I kept like doing that from like the I first was... five minutes. Not yeah. even. She's running down the street in the opening scene, and immediately my heart erupted and I started sobbing. Yeah. And I think John came upstairs at that point and was like. Is this is it good? And I was just <laughs> sobbing, rubbing my face, going, It is perfect. She I made a was, choice and it's yeah. big and it fits. And I was
2: concerned like, when I when I knew that when I read that she had adapted it and she oh, added yeah. a character. Um wait, added a character? Like well that Mr. Dashwood, like just the, the publisher character. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. Like it it was like a construct to tell the story. Yes. And we've seen many versions of the story, yep. and this was a different way to tell it. She did not tell it. In the order that we we normally
3: see the story chronologically, exactly, and instead she decided to use Joe's journey to New York and her adventures Testament? in trying to get yeah. published as a framing device, which and in it, and yeah. of itself is a bold decision to take such an iconic work and change it, and yet yeah. she pulls it off. And th- this is the first, I
2: think, really successful relationship with Friedrich. Yes, I think that I have seen. He was, first of all, he was very handsome.
3: He's so dashing.
2: And (laughs) normally I have so many issues because I find that she's too submissive with him. She's normally such a strong woman. And as soon as he, like, whenever she's around him, because she's in awe of his intelligence and just his persona.
1: That's Gabriel Byrne in the old one? Yeah, yes. Yeah. In, the, in and the 1994. Like, I don't dislike yeah. him
2: Because there is
3: one that predates that that was with Katherine Hepburn. Yes, which yeah. I actually, which just, watched, which I actually yes. just watched
2: last exactly. week also. I still need
3: to see that. Uh, and I don't, just, so I don't. who
4: plays him in Um,
3: actually, don't, I don't remember I'm his not familiar with him.
0: He's Ryan's there's a look it up, There's it up. a
3: weird connection between him and Timothy Chalamet, from oh. Ladybird. there's some trajectory I think it was like his sister or something I don't oh. know there's 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 a there's a six degrees of Kevin Bacon are we going yeah, to
4: spoil this one because it's a everybody yeah everybody forever. knows oh I'm yeah. pretty sure we know how this, this is
3: goes. yeah I always kind of wish they killed Amy oh, oh yeah oh yeah you're you do
2: you
1: really doing this one <laughs> no
3: you don't oh, at all. Yeah. are you kidding me okay can okay you say why you hate Amy and I okay. will defend the shit out of her this movie no this movie gives her what we don't normally get with
2: her, spe- her speech Basically, all her speeches in Paris make me like her in those moments. I don't like her person as a whole, but I like her feminist persona. Um, what really got to me in this version is when she's burning Joe's manuscript, that bitch does it page by page, and yep. she takes pleasure in it. She doesn't mm. throw it in the fire and then realize what she's done and feel remorse. That bitch is like... She's, she has... She's a complete narcissist with no feeling for anybody but herself.
3: At she is a tender young age star. of young stupid. Yes, of course. Yes, she is. and I don't how think many she... of us are intelligent and empathetic at the age of young I stupid. I think she is the type of sociopathic the person. Think of Sir Rona and
1: Anatoma. Yes, Louis um, Garrel oh. is the uh, person we are looking for. Mm-hmm. You may know Louis Garrel. You may know him from such films as The Dreamers in two thousand three. Or love songs in 2007. Sorry, I just need up a picture of this
2: movie. Amy, as they portray her in this film, um, she's not the type of person I think who truly. I mean, she loves her sisters, but she's the type of person who that how to act out emotions. Yeah. So if she's apologizing, it's not because she's sorry. She's apologizing because that she understands mm-hmm. that culturally and in society she is expected to apologize, and then she'll get rewarded for that. And she knows that she has to behave like a lady in these situations and she has to do this. Everything that she does is not, she doesn't act with feeling. Because I don't know if
3: she feels anything outside of herself. Hard disagree. Hard disagree. Okay. She, yes you are correct about her borderline sociopathic behavior as a young woman. Mm -hmm. As essentially a child. When she burns the book and everything because she's petulant. she is stubborn and hot tempered. And she wants what she wants and she wants it now. And she does not want to be told no. And she does something stupid and and, and impetuous and she relishes doing it because she thinks that it's going to yield a result that she actually wants. And this was the crux. This is the crux of that whole engagement in the book. It's the crux of the whole engagement in the 1994 version. And it is that she, she suffers the consequence of being foolish and impetuous and spoiled and selfish and hurtful. And as a child, yeah, she is vapid and vain. Well, she is vain. Mm-hmm. They, There are throwaway moments with her where you know she's not a sociopath, where you know she's not callous and unfeeling, where she stands up to her friends talking about the foolishness of the war in class. She's a young girl, and these these kids are like, well, now we can't have nice things. Why are we ending slavery? That's stupid. And she's fully like, it's immoral. And they, you know, come back at her with, well, your family profited from slaves, and she's like, yes, and we should all be ashamed, ourselves included. Mm -hmm. She takes responsibility for that as a kid. She goes on to do stupid shit, but what child hasn't? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and as an adult, there is something really profound about what Greta Gerwig has done with Amy as a character because she's taken her from the realm of being superficial and being the beauty who has nothing but that and made her a self-aware woman of her time, Mm -hmm. which is something that more and more of us are becoming now. And it's understanding our circumstance, understanding our, our value, and, and what it is that we have to offer not only the world but ourselves and the people around us. And from the get-go, Amy knows, and she even says, I'm not clever like Joe, I'm not kind like Beth, I'm not, I'm not maternal like, uh, Mac, like Meg. I am, you know, I know what I am and I know what I have and I know that within that sphere, I am confined to the politics of the day and that means that I have to marry. And she was taught from an early age by her by her grandmother, beautifully played by Meryl Streep, that she, her value is in her ability to marry well. So she has to become this portrait of femininity and. Mm-hmm. And I and that's
2: I the part of, the only part of this character that I respected in this is when she's giving these speeches. Where she's self aware in Paris. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that's something we haven't. Because I always thought Samantha Mathis didn't deliver those very well. And then I knew, I love that version of the Mm -hmm. film. But she's just kind of like, oh, Laurie, I despise you. Like, yeah. uh, But you never really
3: care why.
2: No, she doesn't. She just kind of says it, but uh, you don't feel it. And I do think that uh, Florence Florence Pugh Pugh. Pugh knows how
3: to say those words. And she's, I mean, she's on my, she's in two of my films this year. She's in Midsummer and This. And in both films, she, channels this really intense and yet delicate emotional nuance i guess i don't know i like always that. come
1: back with with pew i always come back to lady Macbeth and how there's two mm-hmm. times in the same I still movie need to
0: see
1: that. two times in the same movie she sits down on the same fainter couch in the same center crop of the shot wearing very similar dresses and the difference between shot one and shot two is, is is very subtle but, like, like physically very subtle, but emotionally it's night and day.
3: She is such... She My, is she a was that, with
2: emotion. She immensely talented. Uh, I, I always think Joe forgives her too quickly. Yes, she had a near-death experience, um, which I think she was damn lucky to get at that point, because she... Uh, what bothers me is that the onus is put on Joe to be a forgiving person, and not for Amy to be a better person. It, but it, and that always sits with me, and I think it's because I'm going to say that... Uh, I'm going to nerd out here. Amy is a Slytherin.
0: And I think other Slytherin's. No, everything yeah. you're saying
4: is giving me strong My J. God.
2: Not She's a Slytherin. Yeah. And I do think what from the point of view of other Slytherins, they'll be like, oh yes, well she did this because of this. And I it's completely valid. I am as a Hufflepuff looking at her. I I'm have, this close oh, to calling Audible. I have a lot of difficulty accepting her behavior and how much everybody is so quick to forgive it and that she's rewarded for it so much. Even though in this version she does grow and she's self-aware, which- i would
0: say that
4: she's the kind of woman that would say, I'm not a feminist, until she goes up and actually wants to do something besides just get married. And then,
0: well, I
4: guess.
3: No, she's- <laughs> no, no, in this version I do think she is a feminist. She's a feminist yeah. from the beginning, but she doesn't know what that means. And then once she hits a certain age, she's- She's, she's an active feminist in a time when that term didn't really. She's a different yeah. kind uh, of feminist than Joe. Joe is yes. definitely a
2: feminist. They're they're,
3: but two kinds. Also, I like that Greta allows them, and this is the thing that I love about Greta Gerwig. She allows all of the characters to be a little broken, a little selfish, and a little imperfect. Mm-hmm. Because Joe always seemed a little pious. Yeah. In every other version, and in this, she's pious to a fault, and there's a deliberate point made there. She's she's cruel to Friedrich. And, 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 and me. Yeah. And.
1: So where do we all come down on, uh, just because you haven't really been talking about her very much on Saoirse Ronan in this movie as Joe Marsh.
3: She's incredible. She's perfect in the role because there is a very specific. So, okay. My big relationship to this film and why it's my number one is because I grew up with the nineteen ninety four like so many of us
2: I mean did, I love the nineteen ninety four yeah. version. I I watch it I'm like, were, you yeah. the, were you those yeah. girls
1: at the end of the movie talking to Tracy Lutz saying do you have the rest of this book? Was that you?
3: What?
1: The the girls in this movie, the daughters oh, do of you the, have this Was book? that was that you? Uh
3: n- yes to an extent.
1: I need to know how it ends. Come on daddy where's the rest of this book we well, need to read it now.
3: Because it was the big thing for me so the story of how I came to this wasn't even through the book. It was through the nineteen ninety four version of the film. Okay. it was it was one Christmas my parents were still together we were still living at the house where I grew up and it was a perfect snowy Christmas my dad so I'm a Jew but my dad always loved Christmas he grew up celebrating it because it's way more fun than Hanukkah and we don't really do anything on Hanukkah and it's mostly for the little kids so we always had Christmas as well um but I got the VHS copy in the clamshell case that I still have of little women the 1994 version. And I watched it that morning. It was always a Christmas movie to me. Christmas morning. And it was always this association with, and I I fell in love with immediately, Josephine March, and the prospect of being a woman of words and a woman of passion who could just exist in a world with everyone else and find her home there in a place that was carved out for anyone but her. And I loved Winona Ryder in it. I did, and I thought that that was the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. And There's this this feeling, this palpable energy behind that film that is warmth and comfort and familiarity and home in a way that you don't think you're going to get in a movie and that's so hard to capture. Greta Gerwig captured it, and she cast the perfect person to embody that woman who f- almost forcibly carves out a niche in, in, in a world designed for anyone but her mm-hmm. designed for men and she she lays down the gauntlet and the way that the way that Sorcia performs it Sersha the way that Sersha performs it and Greta Gerwig wrote it and directed it is that whereas in the previous iterations the love story becomes kind mm-hmm. of the overshadowing arc here we get to the crux of why this story matters so much to women the world over and why it always has and it's that it's it's about a writer who's a woman it's about being able to to exist in a male-dominated world yeah. as yourself, to and her ending her story. Up with
2: Friedrich and is an afterthought. Like it, it, it's just in the like, best way. Yeah, it's literally oh just like God. oh yeah. By the
3: way, she also she has to have a romance, otherwise they're not going to sell the book. Okay, that's fine. And then she writes it in, and that's it. And it doesn't end. The film ends with her being a successful author. Yeah, like a beautiful montage of her of the huh. book being printed well, while, while, and her getting the first copy.
1: While that notion uh. is challenged, too. Like, you know, when, oh, when yeah. she hands in, man, when he hands in the manuscript and Tracy no lets us there, like, no so one. who does she marry? Yeah. Neither of them. No.
3: She has to marry someone.
2: <laughs> yeah. She can't not marry anyone. Okay, <laughs> and fine. And just her acknowledging this. that, like, I mean, I guess even in in books, that that is a, it just has to happen, I guess, you know. So
4: the publisher's like, I have some notes. yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So. oh, yes. And
3: he's spent, she comes to him at the very beginning and gives him some some of her short stories. Mm-hmm. And it's very much, well, this isn't titillating enough. If you have anything like, cut this, cut this, cut this, no one wants this emotional mumbo jumbo. Come back to me if, and she's she's pretending she's shopping books, story, short stories that belong to a friend of hers. Even though, like, there's it's they both know. He knows,
2: it, she knows. She knows, he knows. Everybody knows. That it's her, but they just <laughs> don't acknowledge
3: it. And then by the end of the film, she's clearly in a position of power and is just kind of confidently... Have you seen it? You haven't
4: seen no, it. No, but I...
3: What? I was
4: an English major, and I was also a lonely, flat-chested girl with glasses that played violin, and I actually read the book, <laughs> multiple versions of the book, actually, like abridged, bridge, whatever. I have the annotated version of it. Yeah, so <laughs> I was like... I'd say the Winona writer one was one of the first times that I pretentiously
1: said, I prefer the book. <laughs> wow. Y'all also haven't spoken at length about the Chalamet.
3: The Chalamet is great, and I feel like Chalamet sounds... He feels like... He feels like the per, he's the perfect Lori and he feels like the perfect... I just want to call him Patrick Bateman. <laughs> he,
0: feels,
3: <laughs> he feels like a perfect young... Christian Bale. Um, Christian Bale, yeah. thank
2: you. The actual relationship in this movie that excited me the most because it's usually neglected and it's my favorite <laughs> in the book is the relationship between Beth and Mr. Laurie. I always oh. thought it was a beautiful story. This movie actually delves into that because in the Do book, you get the piano. You yes. get the piano, uh, you get her hugging him because in the in the book like she just just she won't outside of her family she doesn't speak to people. She was a beautiful Oh, and and like he knew how to. He know, always like in the books so when he really so gently knows he understands her and he understands. So when he says, when he broaches it, doesn't say like, "Oh, come play my piano." He's like, "Oh, this piano is in dire need of somebody. Like this poor piano isn't being it's played. It's going out of tune. I, does yeah. anybody know this how to play it?
4: Dusty.
0: Oh, it's, like knowing, knowing that it would. Even.
2: And she, so she like it's like well, I can't let that happen. Yeah. So and so he slowly like reels her in and then they develop and when he that near the end like when he's standing outside the house after she's passed away and joe finds him just standing there and he's like i can't oh he goes i just know if i go inside it's not going to be the same without her there and he's just been standing outside the house for god knows how long like not entering and it's just like oh
3: my god my heart just like melted it's interesting because this time this time last year we're doing this show, and we're talking about. I was talking about my number one when we were talking about uh, the Mister mm-hmm. Rogers documentary.
1: And you were and making us cry.
3: I was making you cry because the film made me think of when you get to that one point at the end, and it says, "Just stop and think about someone you love and all that jazz." And I said, I was about my aunt who had died earlier that year, and I always associated Beth with my aunt. Oh, always. My, my connection to it and my aunt's connection to the book and to the phrase And that's high and it. It's just this, this kind of beautiful, loving person. And I've always, I always connected the even just the story and the way I interacted it with my mom. I call her Army, and so I'm watching it, and I start the movie, and I, sp- I must have spent the duration just sobbing, because it felt like home, mm-hmm. and it felt like the best parts of home. growing up and wanting to be Joe and be big and be bigger than the world thought you could be and just knowing your options and how all of the sisters kind of run the spectrum of of white women's options in the world and Beth and just how she Was just that light in the center of their world.
4: Well, this is why I want them to kill Amy. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Also, she's trash. Yes, Um, I
3: did love Amy in this, and I think you may appreciate her. (laughs) Yeah, and And also, sorry because I did it again. (laughs) Yes, you did. And watching this next (laughs) year, can your
1: number one be Bad Boys Three or something? (laughs) Can we just never watching Greta Gerwig as a storyteller at the beginning of her career? um, It is really tempting. When you have a freshman hit, just go and do it again, right? And and there's there are there are a lot of threads in Lady Bird that's in this movie. There's a lot of threads of Little Women that's in Lady Bird. Um, but and
2: I remember it, initially when they announced it being annoyed like, that she, no. was, why are they doing Little they Women? Do? We have Little Women. Yeah. We have the perfect like, Little Women. We don't. Yeah. Need why, why,
1: why does this actor get you know? to do this thing? Yeah, I was yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. was
2: very annoyed by the initial so announcement. So watching Same. her
1: at the beginning of her career, um, you know like taking risks doing something different shooting on film she shot this on film because that was what would capture the look best and much. oh yeah and it was incredible um i will say much like the movie that we talked about earlier twice over knives out this is a very lived-in world this is a world where conversely to a lot of the big budget movies that we're seeing that are very rendered and digital this is a movie that's very tactile every single thing in those houses had weight had dimension had shape had purpose like i believed everything upstairs in that attic, attic i believe that the march girls made or found or retrieved and arranged just so it's a movie of hard floors and books and steam and doors and windows now i will also say dear listener that it takes an awful lot for me to get handwriting envy this movie did it (laughs) my number one I cannot believe did not come up on anybody's kind of list. It. Yeah, you don't. I cannot believe it. Um, but as in years past, there was a movie at the first half of the year that got its hooks in me, and uh, again, like much like years past, I'm the only person to mention said film. Um, another sophomore effort that the person could have just gone and done the first movie all over again and it would have been amazing but they decided I'm going to turn my attention to something a little bit different and I can't believe that it's not on your list and I can't believe that it's not on my list I don't list. think I watched it yet and I certainly can't <clears throat> believe it's not on your list but nine number one of the year is Jordan Peele's Us
0: uh, wow. uh,
1: the follow up yeah that, that's why I was trying to nudge you to see in it the other night when we were talking at the bar you haven't seen yet? no the follow up to Get Out um, Lupita and Yango playing off herself winston duke doing some incredible things um another like i mean the movie of the year that has class on the brain uh in every way shape and form because no matter which station we are in this stupid ass economy that has overtaken the world we all want to move up to the next station and that's bloody greedy and that there there are a lot of people that we are all putting underfoot to get there and sometimes we are kidding ourselves to get to that next that next station and us is not afraid to look at that us hangs a neat little plot device on hands across america that 1986 bullshit (laughs) uh uh demonstration of action against homelessness that was just absurd on every level and it uses that as a a, an amazing symbol this film is like just chock full of symbolism everything from the weapons that they use to the colors that they wear to the pop culture references that come in and out of it sometimes in this movie a chair is just a chair but a lot of times a chair is so much more than a chair and this is a movie that holy shit does it um reward Re-watch. You and I talked about this movie quite a bit. We did, yeah. Um, we, uh, th- this is right up your alley. What did you think of this movie? It didn't It, uh, it didn't make your five, but what did you think of this it movie? It didn't
3: make my five. Um, personally, I didn't think it was quite as good as his first effort. Not because it wasn't as, as obvious. And he even said, Jordan Peele even said like off the yeah. hot that this was never intended to be a political film pertaining to race issues and i think a lot of people were expecting that specifically and frankly to them take a long walk you can have you know a black leading family as a cast and not have it be about their oppression it can just be that you're casting normal human beings and role that they're right for and that they carry like it shouldn't It doesn't have to be a thing, No, but um, it's there's a lot. I'm going to be completely frank about this. There's a lot about this film that I didn't fully understand the first time around and fully embrace. And it was actually Ashley Blackwell who wrote this really touching piece about it. And I I still I still I I love it. And I think the performances are outstanding. And I think Lupita Nyong'o does such an insane job. Like, everything that she's doing in this is just, like, sorry, fuck me running. I can't even grasp. Seriously, catch up. <laughs>
4: I, I just, I like that
3: expression. It implies a lot of
4: stability and dexterity. No, like,
3: now, like she's, she's outstanding in this, and she does so much that is very easy to overlook. And she's such an incredibly talented actress and I love getting to watch even Elizabeth Cosby this unhinged and just all of them. It was unbelievable. But Ashley Blackwell, uh, Graveyard Shift Sisters did this amazing uh, review of it where she got right down to this other side of the film that I think most people won't connect to or relate to about how she saw herself in the film mm. <clears throat> and how important that was to her. And that to me made a change from me thinking, I really enjoyed this movie and I value it and I value everyone in it and the work being done to create it to, yeah, this is really important that's being done. So it's, but I, I will be the first person to admit this film is not for me. And frankly, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter at all. This film is important. Every, frankly, I think everything Jordan Peele is doing and has done is important because he is making horror... He is bringing the necessity of empathy in horror to the foreground and is forcing people to discuss why horror is an empathetic genre. And it's something that not a lot of people want to engage with and it's something that not a lot of people want to think about and they're the people who tend to say things like "Get yeah, Out" wasn't horror, I didn't find it scary. Well, you are a human being who is devoid of empathy.
0: If you
3: cannot fathom why that is terrifying, you are incapable of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I pity
1: you. I I can't understand how somebody wouldn't be terrified of themselves. Terrified of looking at themselves and either not recognizing it, Mm -hmm. looking at themselves and seeing a choice not made, looking at themselves and seeing something they don't... They, they don't want to be, which is what this movie <clears throat> confronts. Along with the fact that, I mean, it's it's all hung on something absurd, right? The whole idea that there's a, an entire subculture living literally. under, literally living underground in, in this vast network of tunnels that happens to crisscross America that nobody really knows what they do. That's Jordan Peele's in on this as he's like, there's all these tunnels.
0: I, don't, <laughs> under, I don't, think...
2: I, I just <laughs> liked the movie and I think I really liked the first half. And then once it started I think once I we got the explanation, I was like, I don't know what I thought the act like the payoff was gonna be. And it definitely wasn't that. I don't know if that was well it's for kind me. Of,
1: I mean I I, I just ho- was
2: like it I, I kinda Some like, people complained it was too
3: obvious. And I kind of feel like I might have preferred it if there was no explanation, like and to an extent, there kind of isn't a lot of that exposition. I actually really love the way they did that exposition because it's it, it frames it like this sick, twisted fairy tale.
1: You're loving an awful lot about a movie you thought was just pretty okay.
3: I I told you, Ashley changed my mind. Oh, okay. And some of it, yeah, like, I thought, you also changed my mind because you, I think you shit, were the one. Holy
1: shit, what? No, what? I know. What, oh, it's, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs>
3: you're speaking to a juke watch. It. Um no, I am. Um, no, you I think it was you who brought up the the tools. Yes. And like to me you showed you you shared an article with me where it was showcasing how you you have
1: No, no, that was out of my head, woman. Come on now. No,
3: no, no. You sent a link to me. Someone had written Some something about about
1: it. about everything else, but not necessarily about the scissors. The scissors we I was just talking about. about. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And
3: how it's you have Recognize. the tools of the you have the tools of the uh, of the bourgeoisie versus the proletariat and this idea of a class divide and how they're using scissors, which are the means of creating things for others that are their weapons and their tools. Whereas the wealthy, the people the on the other side, are using golf clubs and motorboats and all those...
1: SUVs, SUVs, Lo- Land
3: Rovers, I think.
1: Like, uh, bougie sculptures, yes. and that kind of thing. Whereas, yeah, whereas the the, the stuff the, of money, yeah, whereas the tethered are using are using the tool of gardeners and tailors and yes. you know some something so common you can't imagine <clears throat> not blue, being able to find
0: it within collar. ten
1: meters. Yeah,
0: yeah,
4: I would have had a hard time doing what it sounds like you weren't able to do, which is not comparing it to get out I'm not thinking about that every minute yeah and i think that's and i think that's part one of, my of the reasons also. why i didn't watch it yeah fair so i probably will and i feel like if i let enough time pass i'll probably like it more possibly
3: possibly i think you'll also probably it maybe it'll be the same thing as me i i appreciated it more on rewatch and i appreciated it more the more i read from other people's perspectives on it who maybe had a deeper connection to it than i did
0: and
2: I only saw it the first like the one time that I saw it. Yeah. So I don't know how I'd feel on rewatch. I just know I I, I remember the lights went up and I was just kinda like, it's okay. fine.
1: Listen, Jordan Peel two years ago got an Oscar for his directorial debut. He very well As had, the writer, not as, as the, the director. As the writer, not as the director. I
4: mean, so well,
1: the I mean, they were willing is, to give
4: him that much. This is this is quite
1: why. true. This is this is the thing, is that the only thing I will say about that is he was just in a goddamn stacked year. You know, like that year was was Get Out and was three billboards and was Lady Bird and was the ultimate winner Shape of Water. Um, something's got to give, right? And and
3: something's got to give, but the Oscars are political. Let us they not are. forget
1: they are. But at the, at the end of the day, it's not like he won for like you know lighting. Like if you you you, <clears> you win an <throat> Oscar for for writing your script,
3: he won for writing, and it was deserved. That film did what *Night of the Living Dead* did. That yes. film did what *Dr. Caligari* did. That yes. film ushered in a new wave of a genre that has been one of the most prolific, influential, and subversive of cinema since the dawn of the medium. Yeah, that man deserved more and deserves more every single.
1: And day. I put it to you that *Us* continues what that first achievement. Uh, landed but
3: it's not scary
1: it, it's it's not no but here's I mean, but no here's the thing i'm in riffing like, man i know in, in like five years people are going to be coming back to this movie and say we were way too quick on this in 10 years people are going to be coming back to it <laughs> and, and, and calling
0: <laughs> you didn't
3: even drink anything
1: i know just uh, yeah. it's no it's, it's that it's that kind of movie it's going to be like yeah. we we were all caught flat-footed on this movie and holy shit is it way better than we ever thought it was um, it's just that it's not get out and that's by design and his next movie is not going to be this or get out
3: well, his next movie is going to be totally different and it's still going to cast a mostly black cast and people are still going to say but doesn't that make it political and it's going to be like well if you keep thinking that then absolutely
1: yeah because that's that's what he wants to make that's what he's interested in that's what he's always been interested in that's what the whole damn genre is about just in different ways and not by storytellers that... representation. Yeah. So maybe it's a movie that's stuck with me all year um it's been a really good movie it's been a really wonderful year for film yeah um and and at any given moment so many of those <laughs> movies could have
0: <laughs> i'm just laughing about the past stuff, i know sorry. you are i know you are yeah.
1: to your listener this is what happens when we podcast yeah. for three and a half hours and drink ourselves stupid There was a bottle of uh, bourbon on the table that started out full. There still is a bottle. And yeah, there's a bottle. There's not much bourbon.
3: It's got a third left.
1: Um, Any of these movies would give you a wonderful evening. Um, Little Women, Us, Parasite, Oh, Knives Out, Midsummer. Um, People, go see these movies. Marriage Story, Hustlers. It's you know this is the thing people bemoan. Uh, lack of non franchise content. Um, it's out there. You know, you might have to do a wee bit of work to get it, but it's out there. Please watch it. Please support it. It's wonderful. Um, you'll enjoy. Uh, but that is episode 239 of the Matinee Cast. Uh, come on back Tuesday, January 13th for episode 240. We'll be discussing something. I haven't decided what yet because that's two weeks away. Um, we're going to go around the horn and people can plug their stuff. Lindsay, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you?
2: At Lindsay Argoni.
1: And anything coming up that you want to plug? Uh,
2: not particularly. My most recent work is on Netflix. Yeah. I, I cut a television series about glass blowing.
1: Yes, you did.
2: Um, so it's a competitive glassblowing competition called? show. Called? Called Blown Away. Um, it's actually done very well on Netflix. Um, and I, it's, I actually really loved it. I cut episodes, in case you're interested. I cut episodes 2, 5, and 10. Um, there are so, some... Uh, I, I have read some hate for it online because one of, there's like a very strong feminist character on it and a lot of people have pounced on her. Because she's
4: blowing instead of sucking. She's blowing,
2: man. She I blows. loved her so much when I was cutting it. Um, <coughs> but anyway, that is available on Netflix. Oh, uh, the bourbon
1: edges. is going. Very nice. Um, but- <laughs> thank you for being here. I appreciate this uh, that you do every year. Uh, <laughs> Patilla Neal, ye with your head in your hands. Uh, you what you doing that people can look for, hon? Huh? First, I'm apologizing for that
4: sucking instead of blowing, comment. Second,
2: <laughs> never apologize. Yeah. yeah. that,
0: yes.
4: Yeah. Second, uh, my, in a tip podcast that I do sporadically outside of tip season. Also, I'll be on another year-ender for Geekard and you,
1: cast I
4: know. I'm <laughs> out. I'm out in these streets, yo. And also, starting in 2020, I'll be a regular on their other comic book podcast, Back Issue Bloodbath.
1: And if people want to find you uh, on the
4: tweets, O B E S A C A N T A V
1: I T. And thank you for being here lady bourbon uh ariel fisher Yes. uh what are you working on that people can uh, look forward to
3: well uh you if you you can find me on the twitter on the instagram pretty much everywhere at afis 8 a f i s 8 uh you can also and should also immediately if not sooner go and subscribe to shutter's weekly newsletter the bite i believe the web address is try dot dot shutter dot com or something to that effect we'll nail it down before this publishes
1: i will yes
3: go and subscribe the show notes there's a weekly newsletter that i edit wherein the opening piece is a, a short essay written by various people in the industry, be they filmmakers, writers, producers, uh, film journalists, you name it. She's like, you subscribe, yay. We have a lot of great stuff coming out in January and there's a lot of amazing stuff coming out on Shudder soon. Other than that, you can also find my podcast that I do with my mom, which I have been neglecting this year, which I swear to God we're getting back to, called After All, A Mary Tyler Moore Podcast, the cross-generational podcast that explores the personal, uh, political and Social implications of the—it's been a while. I'm—I'm I'm a terrible, terrible, terrible podcast Drunk? host. Oh, shush your face. <laughs> but you can find—you can also find my monthly column on Slash Film called Queering the Scene, wherein I do a queer reading of various different films. My Mission Impossible Two one was particularly popular with the Ethan Hunt stands who did not like me suggesting that that film is homophobic. <laughs> Anyways,
1: go forth and I find. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Spotify, whatever Apple's doing with their podcasting shenanigans uh everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop if you have feedback on any of the movies we have talked about today or any of the side tangents we have taken uh there's a comment section where you can leave them you can email ryan at matinee.ca twitter you can find me i'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee any final thoughts ladies I'm gonna go slap something God damn it. For Ariel, Lindsay, and Petula, I'm Ryan. Have a happy and safe 2020, and we'll see you at the matinee.